There we are. Hi everybody! Welcome to Nature Checks Art Campaign, the show where you come for the game and stay for the science. I can hear myself reverbing on somebody's Twitch. I don't know whose it is though. <laughs> anyway, uh, hi, I'm Cheryl. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm the dungeon master for the Art Campaign. I'm also a PhD student studying ecology at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and when I'm not doing research, I'm also a science communicator and the host of the Roving Naturalist on YouTube, and I'm a way better naturalist than Nancy. Speaking of whom, next we have Nancy. What? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, peasant. <laughs> You're not going to introduce yourself? Takes large <laughs> slurp of tea. We all Sorry. forgot how to do this, apparently. I'm actually yeah. paying attention. Also, uh, I don't know. I thought you thought you were just being super dramatic. <laughs> yeah, right? Also, I don't know why the screen is so small on Twitch today. I think I royally messed up my OBS when I tried to do a thing last time we streamed. But anyway, sorry about that. Continue. It's Nancy. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Nancy. I temporarily forgot who I was. <laughs> I'm an entomologist, which means that I study bugs, and I live in Ecuador, where normally I'm doing tourism, except for, of course, like now during the everything. So now I do online classes and check out my YouTube channel, because I am the way better naturalist than Cheryl, even if I can't remember how to introduce myself. <laughs> Peter did the voiceover for that video, by the way, which should be linked somewhere in the reference section. Oh, I should have put it in the reference section. Go to Nancy's YouTube channel and watch the ridiculous video that's the start of our grudge match with Peter's amazing voice acting in it. <laughs> I can't believe you guys didn't link back to my YouTube channel. I, I need those views. Well, you have a YouTube channel? YouTube channel? <laughs> I thought it was like your extension one. I have an extension one. I, I do also have a personal YouTube channel where I post videos of tadpole swimming. And uh, <laughs> drone videos flying over my family farm. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, All yeah. Right. Well, I've got. I, will... I think my my biggest video has like seven views. Yeah, it's. Nice. I'm really. I've been pushing it real hard on social media. So. I mean, obviously, we all knew about it. I can link you because I <laughs> I noted that you did the voice acting and put your Twitter handle. Oh my <laughs> no gosh. Worries. Uh, continue introducing yourself since you got it started, Peter. Oh, oh, I'm Peter. I take drone videos of my family's property and <laughs> videos of tadpole swimming. And I get paid to teach people about agriculture and bugs and pests and nutrients and regulations and all kinds of things. And I make educational videos and I put them on my extension YouTube channel, which is a different channel um carol county extension if you want to look it up my pronouns are he him i play cedric who is a cleric and a dwarf in, maybe in that order um <laughs> is that it was there other other things yeah i think that's great city <laughs> I <think> rescue this <laughs> not to introduce i can't rescue it i'm oddly too hard <laughs> hi I'm Cindy, she, her, I'm a science enthusiast and uh, play an Endoran engineer over on Heroes of Awesome Constellation on the Weirdlings Twitch and YouTube channels, mostly over on YouTube these days because, you know. Uh, here, I'm playing Nadia, the water method druid. Yeah. <laughs> and last but not least, it's Ryan. Hello, um, Ryan. I'm a plant healthcare doctor, uh, used to be just an entomologist, but I don't really think so anymore. I take care of uh, all the health of plants at a botanical garden, um, greenhouses, conservatory, and landscape. 
I teach about plant healthcare, plant diagnostics, entomology, pollinators, uh, sustainable landscaping, all of those kinds of things. Uh, and uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. And on uh, the Arter campaign, I play Fletcher the Human Wizard. Amazing. We made it through it together. Uh, <laughs> Ryan has it together. No one else. <laughs> Ryan has it together. <laughs> Uh, if you're watching us live right now, thank you so much for being here. There are a whole bunch of people checking in in the chat already. Hello, everyone. As always, if you have any questions for the cast, make sure to put them in the chat so we can respond. And of course, be sure to check out the reference section down below for the social media handles for the entire Nature Check cast. Uh, don't forget, if you're not able to watch us live or you want to share us with your friends, you can, as always, find the sessions for our TTRPG games in video form on our YouTube channel and in podcast form everywhere. Follows, subscriptions, comments, shares, and reviews really help us out on all of our platforms, so thanks for doing those things as well. I'd also like to take a moment to thank all of our podcast listeners. In the last week, y'all have boosted us to over 1,500 lifetime downloads. Thank you! We know our project is a little goofy sometimes, but we are incredibly grateful for your support and interest in our show. Also, did you folks see our Twitter this afternoon? The amazing Nat, designer of the Bumble Kits we rescued in our World of Wildrevere one-shot, has drawn absolutely beautiful art of our player characters. So we have our first official fan art. Thank you so much to Nat, and thank you to the creators of Wildrevere for such a fun adventure. And if you like our one-shots on our channel, stay tuned. On Monday, December 14th, we'll be dropping a special Nature Check one-shot on our YouTube channel and podcast platforms as part of the 10 Tabletop Tales collaborative project with other members of the Pod Squad. Our friend Nikki joins four other GMs as players, and I take them on a wild ride for an in-canon adventure full of wildlife, science, and tragedy. There's a lot in that episode. It's it's a lot. So yes, yeah, <laughs> stay tuned for that. You, you have been warned. <laughs> it's a very long one shot and there is a lot in it. So <laughs> just check it out when it comes out on the 14th. Does anybody else have anything they'd like to mention quickly? We're good? We're good. Okay, then let's get started. You spent the entirety of yesterday resting at a grassland campsite and processing your grief. Two nights ago, you descended beneath the deep roots of the prairie to a second subterranean temple where you explored myriad rooms and hallways. Much of the temple seemed to be empty, but you recovered a few items. You also had a run-in with some rather vicious incorporeal undead, which you were afterwards able to avoid. After completing a ritual in the chamber with Kay's tattoo symbol engraved in the floor, you were preparing to leave the temple when your group was stopped by a spirit who said she was a temple guardian. She was displeased that you had looted the temple and burned books in the ritual room and threatened to kill all of you unless one of your number would become her chosen champion. You tried to bargain with her, but she was unmoving in her resolve. Ultimately, you said goodbye to Lucanus, and he became another spirit guardian of the temple. You gave him a proper funeral above ground, then moved on from the spot to continue your quest north in search of the source of the river's pollution. It is now the morning of Hextum, the third day of Bright Run, and you are beginning to notice warmer air temperatures, shorter grass, and a feeling that you may be approaching the next biome soon. 
So we're already on the road, or are we um, packing up camp now? Uh, basically, you're at the campsite that you folks chose during the end of the last session. So you had moved away from the site of the above-ground entrance to the temple, and then you just sort of spent a day, like, being at that campsite. So you are still there this morning. Um, well, I, let's I, let's get a move on, people. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah I didn't I'll... set a trap light or anything like that something that Lucanus and I usually do together. So I'm ready to go, whenever you guys are. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, uh, all I good? Can, Let's go. I can I can take a take a look? See oh, where we're going? Right, yeah, the river. Um, yeah, do you, yeah, that sounds we, good. Okay. So you're doing your fly up and take a look around, Nadia? Yeah, if I take a look around, how's uh, that uh, 18 sound? Okay, yeah. So you fly up and you, are you looking in a specific direction? Or are you doing like a 360? Yeah, probably a full 360, just kind of figure out what's around. Okay, so you fly up and you look to the north and yeah, you can see the, the grassland is definitely, it's sort of petering out as it were it's you know you can see um at the edge of your vision that like you know the grasses are definitely getting shorter and you can see more clearly now that like the desert is on the horizon to the north um you look to the west and you can still see as usual sort of the mountains in the very far distance you look to the south and you can see the grasslands stretching out lush before you oh sorry <laughs> to the east you see um stretching to the river when you look to the west though um sorry i misread my own directions uh you see a plume of dark smoke in the sky to the west and as you pay more attention in that direction you start to notice small animals like rabbits and birds fleeing eastward towards you there's a strange sound a mix of crackling and whooshing and then you see it a wall of orange fire moving towards you across the prairie consuming everything in its way and from where you can see it it is approximately a quarter mile off, approximately 400-ish yards, which when a prairie is moving across, or when a fire is moving across the prairie, um, that quarter mile gives you about two minutes before it is on you. Um, <laughs> so what would you like to do with that information? I definitely turn to the group and say, there's a, there's a big fire that way. Oh. It's <laughs> coming this way. How big, how big? Like, how wide did it look? It is pretty wide. Um, you're not able to get, like, a super great gauge on it, especially because it's moving so quickly towards you. Um, you are towards the southern edge of this wall of fire, though. So you think that, like, if you moved quickly, you could probably get out of the way of it. Okay. When she points it out, can we all, like, see it? Oh, yeah. Like, once she points it out, you can start <laughs> to see like, the smoke. Oh, and fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Why does this day suck so much? <laughs> it's a new ah! day. <laughs> Fuck this It's a new bad day. I'd estimate that it's about uh, two minutes away. It seems to be moving pretty quickly. Well, you guys have been talking yes. for like 30 seconds. So you got 90 oh. seconds now. <laughs> Grab your Kate stuff, let's go. running away. Yeah, we should go. I didn't realize Cedric knew so much about prairie birding. I'm just looking at it coming towards us. This is not inherent knowledge. This is observational. Cedric is like one, one thousand, two, one thousand. Yeah. 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 Like everyone when they hear th uh, or see lightning. Yeah, yeah. 
doesn't work Kate just like, like turned around and started running I don't even think she's like paying attention like what is the best way to run she's just did you like somewhere. pack up and pick up all of your stuff? Did you leave your stuff behind? Like, are you I guys mean, trying to break camp quickly? How how are you reacting? To this? I mean, she doesn't have a tent, right? We, I, how much, I how was much assuming we were packed set. up. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was I was I was saying like we're ready to go. Okay, sure. Yeah. So you're grabbing your bags and <laughs> GTFOing. GTFO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. running towards towards the south. Towards yeah. south. Yeah. That, yeah. No, yeah. That looked, according to Nadia, like your best case scenario. You could try beating it to the north, but you know, no, you're going to the Is south. The, okay. Huh? We're we're at this point we're in an area that there is nothing taller, right? Like, there, uh, there's no trees, there's no large rocks. Like, this is pretty much flat, like, grassland. Yeah, picture, okay. like, the short grass prairie that's over, like, Colorado and Wyoming and okay. Montana, right? So, yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah. nothing. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is basically no cover, no no woody vegetation. No yeah. tall, yeah, no, nothing yeah. tall. Okay, yeah, we just need to run. <laughs> okay. Kay's running somewhere. I don't know if she ran in the right direction or not. She just <laughs> started running. If I Kay's yanked you not by the running collar. in the right direction, I will sort of fly over and move her in the right direction. Okay. Yeah, I imagine um, having Nadia airborne is probably really helpful right now because you can you can sort of make sure that all three of them run pretty much in the same area so you don't get split up. Yeah. Okay. So you managed to, you had enough time. If, I hate this day. If the perception check had been lower, you would not have had very much time, but you had <laughs> enough time to move out of the way. And so you are able to run and to the south where Nadia estimates the fire will not get you. And you all clump up and turn around just in time to see uh, the fire roar past you. And you feel the intense heat on your faces as you watch. And I have been there for a prairie fire when I did controlled burns at the um, restored prairie where I worked. And it is incredibly hot and very loud. And it can move pretty fast when there's a good wind behind it. It's impressive. You definitely don't want to be in the way of it. But as it moves past you, behind the trailing edge of the fire, as the smoke starts to clear, you can see a group of small figures walking towards you across the ashen ground. Are you? Is this their fault? Can we? Can we what make out you... anything of them? Like. Yeah. yeah. Give me a perception check. Kay is not feeling perceptive. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Kay's in a mood. I Yeah, I, I would assume so. 16? 14. I got a 14. Okay, 14. Cindy said 15. From Fletcher, uh, 16 from Nadia. Okay, Um. yeah, yeah. so... Um, there's still a little ways off. From, well, there are there are two that are a little closer and then three a little farther back from them. Um, but the two... Well, yeah. <laughs> there are two advancing and then three behind. But one of the two that's advancing is very far to the north. And the other one that is advancing is pretty close to you. It looks like that person, that individual, is following the edge of the fire. And you can tell as they're coming towards you that they are small creatures, like, you know, Cedric's height-ish, maybe a little smaller. And He's definitely a small creature. I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not small. You guys are just freakishly large, okay? That. There's more of us. I think you're the outlier. Uh, me and Nadia, are there the same number of us as there are of you and, and Fletcher? Now there is no majority. Mm-hmm. That face. Um, 
no, there are no marshmallows, Sarah. Nice question, though. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you can see that they're small humanoid in shape. And the one that's, the two that are advancing and the one that's closer to you, you can see they have, like, a long pole or a stick with a square of something on the end of it that they're sort of, like, beating the ground with as they come towards you. And... <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm laughing at the, what's happening in the chat. And they come closer and closer, and eventually you're able to make out that these appear to be goblins. And so there's a group of five goblins sort of following the trailing edge of the fire. Um, and the one that uh, has this pole in the square of something and is sort of walking along the edge spots you because you didn't get that far away from the edge of the fire. And uh, she comes up to you and you can see it's sort of an older female goblin and she's looking at all- I've drawn my weapon already. Oh goodness, okay. I'm just, like, the, the only other times we've encountered goblins, they've been super aggressive, so. Okay. Even if it's an old lady goblin, I'm still <laughs> getting ready. To, I'm, I'm like, at least I am prepared to hit her with my Warhammer. Okay. She has lots of experience, so she's an old goblin. Mm -hmm. yeah. so Ced Cedric is just at the drop of a pin, ready to strike an elderly woman. <laughs> yeah. Nope. If she's a goblin, Oof. yeah. Oof. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am ready to strike her. I didn't say I'm going to strike her. I just said I am prepared. It is if, if the need. I'm always itself. prepared to hit the elderly. You know what? <laughs> the last time I was in Lowe's, like there were like six guys not wearing masks. And they were all like in their seventies. I, I was thinking about it. All right. So. <laughs> Wait, they all weren't wearing masks. Is that? Yeah, yeah. White oh. dudes in their seventies in the South don't wear masks. <clears throat> This seems I'm to be a gonna... strangely United States phenomenon. Mm -hmm. You can't yeah. walk into a building here without a mask and having your temperature taken and oh, you're going yeah. through a thing and being sprayed down with alcohol. We're oh, yeah. or yeah. or walking into an ozone box. Oh. People people here operate under the like mysticism that they think I cannot wear it and you can't tell me or ask me because HIPAA and like HIPAA only says that you can't share someone else's, else's information. medical information. You can ask them, why aren't you wearing a mask? Like, that's a lie, wear a mask. Yeah. Well, they, they also have been claiming um, the, the disability protection laws mean that they don't have to wear masks. But anyway, um, this old lady goblin is not wearing a mask, although she probably should for smoke inhalation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> it's a carcinogen. There's some nasty particulates you don't want to get in. Yeah, yeah. she's going to yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of problems. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so she was starting to walk towards you, but Cedric having his warhammer out, she sort of like stops and just sort of like rests the the square thing on the end of the pole down on the ground and sort of like stacks her hands on the pole and sort of like leans on it and looks at all of you from a distance. I put my arm out and kind of like in front of Cedric and his hammer and, and wave at her. And I'm like, ignore him. Uh, <laughs> set the prairie on fire. Seems like there's some conflict over there. Hold on a sec. Um, <laughs> she sort of like. Cedric, put your friggin' hammer away. Um, literally, I'll, 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 he like, means that the, literally. I'll set the warhammer on the on the like the head of the warhammer on the ground, but I'm not putting it back in its holster. I'm just like I'll set the head on the ground. Okay. Um, um, so she sort of like turns over her shoulder, still kind of leaning on this pole. And yells something in Goblin, you assume, to the three that are sort of advancing behind her. 
and you can see a younger woman, a younger man, and then sort of like a middle-aged man, um, you would guesstimate, uh, coming towards you. Uh, the two younger goblins have spears out, but the middle-aged one is the one that walks all the way up to the, the woman with the pole um, to look at all of you. And he does look at all of you and says, uh, hi there. Uh, sorry about that. Were you in the way? Kind of. That's, Almost. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Uh, glad we didn't catch you there. Uh, yeah, it's just a, you know, unfortunate accident. Uh, but I'm glad none of you were hurt. Uh, none of you were hurt, right? No. Do you usually light the grasslands on fire? Only ever so it- often. I mean, you have to let the fuel grow back and, you know, feed the animals and stuff. But we do this for hunting and, you know, so this is a thing we do every once in a while. I'm he's. And he, like, waves a little bit. Uh, I'm I'm in charge of this burn. Uh, Hi, I'm Kay. Hi. There's a, there's a lot right now. Ah, uh, yeah. Y- y- you all aren't from around here, are you? No. Can you tell? Is it that obvious? I mean, you don't really look like mouse folk or goblins or, you know, any of the people I normally see around here. So, you know. Ah. No, uh, I'm I'm Fletcher, and we we are all traveling out here from uh, that that <laughs> large city uh, that you may know over by the coast, uh, where there's a group of a lot of folk who kind of look like us that have gathered uh, near near the water. All right, yeah, we've heard about that, yeah. And um, you're, you're from there. What, do you, what do you, Is there a reason you're up here? Yeah, the river is poisoned. When that's kind of where we get fish for, like, the town. Which, anyway, I realize that you're, like, I can tell by your expression, you're like, but the water's not here, obviously. The water's back there. But, like, apparently there's, like, underground water. Not that I really understand how this works. And it's coming from that way. And that's where all the gunk is. So we're just trying to pass through your very lovely field to get that way to figure out what's going in the river so I can go home. Wow. It's been kind of a rough week. <laughs> We've been out here for two months. The whole <laughs> thing sucks. not been out here for two months. We've <laughs> been quiet on Bowers since it's been a few months. <laughs> it's not been a few months. <laughs> it's been a few months of real world time, but it has not been yeah. a few months of in-game time. <laughs> uh, wow, yeah, that uh, that sounds like a lot. Uh I, 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 I don't know. I mean, we sometimes go all the way to the river, you know, over there. And he's like pointing like way far to the east. Like it's all the way over there if we need, you know, water. But uh, that water's fine. At least it was the last time we looked. Yeah, that seems to be the thing. That water seems fine. And the the water down downhill seems less fine. And the water downhill happens to be the water where my family gets fish from. So it's kind of complicated. Oh, uh, sorry to hear that. Uh yeah, there isn't a whole lot of water around here. Uh, it's kind of dry, if you notice, like, the desert's up that way. And he's pointing to the north. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I good luck. Thanks! Um, we we think that's where we're heading. Uh, it, we we haven't found anything within the grasslands that would seem to have, be affecting the river, so we're actually going north towards the desert. Do you know of anything any structure or settlement or, or anything up that way? 
that we may be heading towards. We're we're basically if you kept going towards the river where from where we are, you will find where the the poison Gunk. starts in the water. And and everything upstream of that is still good. So that's good that that's where you get your water from. Um, but so we're heading directly north. Do you know of anything in that sort of direction that we're heading? Um, and at, at this point, by the way, um, <clears throat> the other four goblins that were with him have continued east following the fire. So they're still tending it, as it were. Um, but he's stopping to talk to you. Uh, wow, that was a lot of questions. Um, uh, settlements, structures in the desert. Uh, I haven't really been there much. Uh, I know a little bit about what's up there, though. Uh, not a whole lot of, like, I don't, I don't, what kind of structure are you looking for? Maybe a mine. Really? Yeah, uh, like yeah a, um, a poorly a mine, maintained a, mine. A mine, an abandoned town, somewhere where there was, was or is any kind of activity that may have released or maybe actively producing this poison that's that's flowing down and getting into the river oh um well abandoned town isn't really a thing up there most of the people that at least that i know of that live in the desert like the leggy ones they are you know they travel around they don't have like settlements uh but mines that's interesting i i know that like sometimes they're like you know, jewels, semi-precious stones, that kind of thing that come from the desert. I don't know where in the desert, but I mean, if you're thinking about a mine, maybe those come from a mine. I don't know. I don't do underground stuff. I also don't do underground stuff. Feels. Luckily, we have an expert in underground <clears throat> stuff with us. Oh, really? So if we find a mine, we should be good. Famous last words. Um... <laughs> they, Ryan uh... has cursed the party. <laughs> All right. Well, Cedric, was Cedric going to say something? He he mutters some <laughs> stuff under his breath that you don't hear. Okay. Well, sir, it has been a pleasure meeting you, and also not dying by accident. So I think we're gonna keep going that way. Yeah. Really sorry about that. Uh, if you need anything, directions or whatever, you know, we're we're gonna be over that way. The uh, the. Out rock outcropping where we're sort of driving the fire to is just over there. So, you know, if you walk, you know, a ways to the east, you'll find us if you need anything. Cool. Uh, Thanks. And can we ask, uh, we've been out here traveling for a while, um, and we've, would we be welcome in your settlement that is nearby if we had to get away from the desert and need somewhere to purchase supplies or or a place to rest if somebody is injured. Uh, we, we've met the uh, the Miriam for further away, and they were they were very hospitable. Uh, but if we needed to get somewhere quickly, uh, it seems like you may be a little closer than getting back to them. I, so I was just wondering about what could we know where uh, where where your uh, where your base, home base is? Uh, yeah, so we're all part of the Shortgrass Clan. Of goblins, and yeah, I think we're probably the most northern group of people that's hanging out in this part of the grasslands. Uh, yeah, the the Muriam have, like, actual towns set up. Uh, a lot of us move around more, um, at least seasonally, so yeah, we'll be around. Uh, I don't know how easy it would be for you to just, like, find us, because we move around a lot, but I mean, yeah, we're here. Uh, just follow the trail of ash. 
Well, that's to the yeah. the spot where we're hunting. I mean, we don't like live there, but yeah. I mean, we'll be around. Hey, Cedric, maybe you can take hunting <laughs> lessons from them. Nah, I'm good. Did you want to learn how to hunt like we do? Do you I mean, know how to? Do you know any tricks for setting good traps out here? That's how we've been trying to acquire a lot of our food. Oh, I mean, yeah, we make some traps. Uh, we do a lot of our hunting. I mean, this fire thing is kind of a trap in its own right, too. So, yeah, I mean, we do a lot of, like, I guess you would call it small game hunting. Yeah. Is there is there anything in particular out here that would be easy to uh, to to hunt uh, th that we're collect on our way towards the desert? Um, or any plants in particular that provide a really good source of food that we may be able to take with us to the desert. Oh, uh, I mean, there's lots of good bugs. Um, I know the, the Murium make really good grasshoppers. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't had those yet, they're good. Uh, but yeah, we, we eat a lot of bugs, lots of like rabbits and, you know, ground squirrels and stuff. The ground cherries are pretty good too, if you're looking for plants. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you're just, like, wandering through the desert on your own, you're definitely going to want some food with you. But, like I said, there are people living there, traveling around. Like, if you were to meet up with the leggy ones, like, they're a little strange. I don't know a ton about them, but they're very good hunters. So, you know, they might be worth checking in on. It, it, the, the leggy ones? Yeah. What, what, did, what makes them leggy? Like? Oh, well, they're, you know, they got lots of legs. How many is lots? Uh, like more than us. Uh, like they got, uh, they got like they got arms, and then they got like legs that stand on the ground. And then they got like another extra pair that just kind of like hangs out, and they can be arms or they can be legs. It's real weird. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> guess we'll meet them soon <laughs> enough. Yeah, they're really good hunters and warriors, though. So uh, yeah, if you hang out with them, like they probably have good food. They've got interesting weapons. Will they use them on us? Is there a way to be like, hello, we come in peace? I mean, it's, as long as you're not weird, hopefully it should be fine. I don't know. Kay, like, looks around at no our problem. group. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean as long as this one doesn't immediately draw his weapon again? I mean, yeah, most most people I've met are pretty reasonable like that. You know, if there aren't weapons drawn on them, they won't draw weapons, right? That's sort of like what being a decent person is all about, right? You know, you just kind of, like, live and let live and he's like sort of like giving the side eye to Cedric's hammer <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I'm leaning on it now like <laughs> and I'm like giving him like this like real petty stink eye <laughs> Cedric is having none of this mm -hmm. well um I think we'll take our companion who is apparently having a worse day than I am right now and I think we're just gonna Continue forward. Thank you, friend. Wait, what about the orcs? Aren't we going to ask you about the orcs? Hey, have you seen any orcs? Have I seen what? Orcs. They're like, uh, you know, like real big, tall goblins. Big and angry. Uh, no. Hmm. They I mean, were, they were not nice. I mean, my, my cousin's kind of like tall, but he's not like, not like. No, like taller than this one. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Uh-uh. No. Yeah. There I mean, that some... is what you would say, isn't it? What? Nothing. Anyway, there were some that were, like, stealing the Miriam's bugs. It was weird. They had, like, nets and stuff, and then they attacked us, and it was awkward. Uh, oh. oh okay. All right, anyway, I'm going to, again, take my friend who seems to be having a slightly worse day than I am, and we're going Sorry to let you... 
do your things in peace. Thank you, yeah. friend. Yeah. We uh, appreciate the help. One, one last question related to those orcs. Sure. I just, I'm just going to open up the book where I write my notes and show my drawing of that weird eye symbol that they had and just say, have you seen this on anything else around in the grasslands as you've traveled around? Uh, it looks like an eye. Yeah, the those those orcs, those beings we were having trouble with. Uh -huh. um, the things they were carrying all had this weird symbol painted on them, and so yeah. we were wondering if you if you saw that anywhere else that means they may be active around here or have been through here or or you know might have some reason to worry about them again. Oh, uh, no, I haven't seen anything like that uh white paint or whatever uh is this something we should be concerned about um I yeah, you don't you don't want to mess with them yeah they yeah. did attack us for like no reason mm. i think that's why our trigger happy friend back here just like pulled out his warhammer because he was a little, a little on edge you know what ah, i mean I, mm -hmm. so yeah just be careful if you see that symbol sure yeah thanks for the heads up uh hmm yeah, I haven't seen anything like that, but I'll keep an eye out. Ha! <laughs> mm. Well, thank you, and uh, good luck with the rest of your burn and your hunt. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I guess I should go catch up and keep an eye on them. The, the younger ones are still so learning. Long. No, it's okay. They're fine. I mean, they should be fine. I just I have to keep an eye on the younger ones, and so they actually do their job instead of just walking around. Uh, yeah. Eels. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Yep. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And he heads off east, uh, following the group, walking across the now blackened and ashy ground. And as he walks away, you can see little puffs uh, where the ash is just puffing up as he steps. Okay, like, sees that and then starts, like, kicking up ash aggressively on purpose and just, like, trudges. <laughs> yeah, anywhere where there had been, like, a clump of grass growing, now there's, like, quite a bit of ash. Um, but the whole ground, it's just, like, it's really incredible after a prairie burn, actually. Like, the, the ground is so black and there's this layer of ash and there's little, like, places where there are, like, white bits of ash from, you know, different temperatures of fire or different kinds of fuel. But immediately afterwards, the ground, it looks so spooky. It's, like, out of a movie. There are little, like, whiffs of smoke coming up from the ground. It looks like a... I don't even know. I, I, I described it as, as a moonscape once, but that's not right because the moon doesn't smoke, right? So it's just sort of this really strange, like, cinematic uh, experience to walk across the ground in a prairie burn. And I put in this plot point today because I think prairie burns are really cool. And I thought it would be fun to talk about grasslands and fire and fire-evolved ecosystems and also cultures that have used fire on grasslands for hunting. Um, so let's do some science. <laughs> or at least talk well, about science. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like this is your area of deepest expertise out of any of us, Cheryl. So if you want to lead this, sure. I think that is very appropriate. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess um, I, I, I like to teach by questions. So like what, uh, what did you notice or like what questions do you have about like details of that scene that you thought were interesting and wanted to know more about? Because I definitely tried to make it very detailed and like realistic to a point. I guess I want to my... know what the sticks are. Oh, yeah, yes. that's what I was gonna say. I, I, it's like I know, I feel like enough about the ecological like consequences mm -hmm. of fire and what it contributes and cycles and all of that. But like, 
the the human actions involved in tending and creating that fire and doing that sort of thing i don't know about it all so i was wondering why they were doing whatever they were doing sticks sticks it was it was helping to control it but how yeah yeah so it's really wild like in order to be allowed to be part of a burn crew on the prairie um i had to go through a lot of training and do a lot of like online modules and stuff because basically we went through the wildland firefighter training so the same kind of trainings and online modules that people who are going to go and fight wildfires in like california and wherever go through and then we also did more training because those people are just trying to stop fire from happening and what i was doing was starting a fire but very much controlling where it goes and how it moves right um so yeah uh, a burn crew is a very um strongly orchestrated group of people um working together to manage a fire and keep it going in the right direction so the goblins with the sticks with the square thing on the end um if you had gone up and looked at it it would have been a square of leather and that was my way of describing what are called flappers so we use those as one of the tools um for the people who are sort of doing edge tending in a prairie burn so we have it's like a pole with like a big square of rubber on the end. Um, But basically it's a material that is not going to be easily set on fire. And you can use those to tamp down grass that's burning and basically snuff out the fire because you're pushing it down into the ground and you're removing all the oxygen so the fire can't keep burning, um, sort of just snuffing it out. Um, And yeah, flappers are really important for sort of like putting out little spot fires that are happening where you don't want them to happen. Um, But also if there were to be a spot fire that sort of started to get too big and, you know, was definitely happening where you didn't want a fire, people would use the flappers around the edge to sort of try to keep it contained until someone could get over there with water or something like that. Um, so, yeah, leather flaps like a riding crop? Uh, no, Qui-Gon, um, like really big. Like, think like, you know, like two foot square, maybe? Something like that. On um, and, and just one edge of that square is attached to the pole. So it winds up being this, like... Yeah, like the the pole is here and the leather goes like this. This is not going to do anything for the podcast listeners. Sorry. Um, yeah, like, kind of like a like, canoe paddle, right? Like, yeah, kind or, of. Or like a leather flag. flag. Like, a, like, 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 a, like, a, like a square flag hanging yeah, off of yeah. it. Yeah, like, like a fly swatter, like, a, like okay. a flag, like a canoe paddle. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, you can basically use the flapper to tamp down the grass and remove the oxygen so that the fire can't burn anymore in that area. Um, yeah, so that's what those were. Uh, and like I said, those are really important, especially it would be important for the goblins in this scenario because they don't have like water tanks. Water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like in someone else just asked that in the chat. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no water. Yeah. Yeah. So biker Dave, that's a great question. So there are lots of ways to contain a fire that don't include water. Um, and the team that I was working with, um, we did use water. So we actually had a truck with a tank of water mixed with a little soap, which is interesting because the soap makes the water sticky. Mm -hmm. And they would spray down along the edge of where the fire was going to go before the fire came through. So they were basically spraying off like the boundaries, right? Um, And then there's another truck following behind the person with the igniter um, to spray and sort of keep the fire from moving backwards, right? So basically we would have a site that's like roughly square, rectangular, and you would start the fire at the back edge and hope that the wind would push it but then you would also sort of light around the perimeter because what you're trying to do is circle the site and get to the other side because if the wind is just pushing the fire it's just gonna keep going Mm -hmm. so what you want to do is get ahead of it 
and then circle it off and start burning backwards. So that's the backfire. And you have to get to the backfire before the main fire comes across so that the backfire has burned off enough fuel that the main fire can't jump the line using wind or something like that and keep burning out of control. Yeah, so some of the way to control the edge of a fire is through something like a flapper or if you have water through water, but also you can control fire with more fire, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so yeah, by careful application of the ignition, um, so we used what's called a drip torch, which is basically a metal contraption with some fuel in it, and it's got a long nozzle and a wick type thing at the end of the nozzle, and you light that, and then as you hold the canister upside down and walk a little bit of fuel, drips through the nozzle, catches on fire, and then falls onto the ground and lights the grass. Um, so it's a way of distributing very small amounts of fire along a line as you walk, which is really cool. So yeah, you can create boundaries for your fire by lighting it on fire and just asking it to only burn in one direction. So yeah, the goblins didn't have water, but they were able to control the fire with other tools. And this particular set of goblins, as he's, the character you were talking to, pointed out, um, they were burning from the west to the east, so they were using the wind, but they had chosen a day that wasn't super windy, so that they could keep the fire under control. And they were burning, it, it looked like a line as it was moving past you, but it was eventually going to sort of curve in, um, and the fire would end at a rocky outcropping, where the fire would not be able to go past, and they were planning to trap all of those small animals that were fleeing before the fire against that rock wall, which is very similar to one of the strategies used by Native Americans in the North American prairie, um, who would use fire to drive bison or other prey animals um, against or over <laughs> some sort of landscape feature uh, in order to trap them and then hunt them more easily. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> controlling the fire with elbow grease like uh, Fletcher's Grease Spell. Um, <laughs> well, you guys did use Fletcher's Grease Spell to start a fire. I don't know how well it would work to control a fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if during a prairie fire you'd want to just be like, hey, I'm going to throw some accelerant on this and see what randomly happens. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably doesn't cover enough surface area to do a whole lot of good. Mm. That's true. That spell yeah. only does like, was it 10 square feet? Is that right? I think Yeah, 10 square feet. So you can make a little fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, relatively little fire. 10 square feet is still a lot of space. Like if there was a 10 square foot fire in my house, I'd be unhappy. But yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. like that Doctor Who meme. What? Uh, the... Never mind. Like... Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So do you have other... Or do you guys or, or the audience have other questions about how a controlled fire or... A, yeah, we call it a controlled burn or a prescribed fire on the prairie, how that works? Or we I just wanted to bring up a quick point that yeah. I think when a lot of people think about conservation, they're like, oh, there's this land and we put a fence around it and that was conserved. So I do a whole presentation on my tours about conservation and I actually have a picture of like controlled burns because it's not necessarily what you think conservation might be, but... You're like, huh, you're lighting that thing on fire. And then that ass like has a bunch of questions. So I was working in the Albany pine bush, which I didn't do the controlled burning myself, but we did do controlled burns in the, in the reserve. Um, and that was really important to maintain the host plant for the Carner blue butterfly, which was endangered. So. I think that's an excellent point. Yeah. Huh? 
Because like basically what one of the key parts of conservation is replicating what naturally happens in the mm-hmm. area, right? And fire naturally happens. Yeah. Yeah. And plays an important part in the life cycle of those kinds of places. Absolutely. Conservation is an active event or an active process yeah and um specifically in the case of butterflies well like what nancy's mentioning butterflies most species prefer what we would consider open habitat right so not disturbed habitat yeah Mm -hmm. open or disturbed habitat so not covered in especially a lot of trees butterflies prefer sun over shade so yeah keeping um early successional or open or disturbed habitats available for uh species that thrive in those areas are really important and because we have such a uh, plant invasive species problem here in North America, a fire is also really important for keeping this tall grass prairie that we've restored full of mostly <laughs> native plants. Um, because exotic plants from somewhere else that were introduced here and are now, you know, invading and taking over were not adapted to grow in the presence of periodic fire. And so having a fairly regular fire interval on the prairie or fairly regular burns happening means that those plants aren't able to get quite the same foothold as they would otherwise, which is really important. Because as we mentioned when I was describing the temple, native prairie plants have roots that go way far down under the ground and often have two or three times the biomass or the amount of plant below the ground as the plant does above the ground. But a non-native plant isn't going to have the same root reservoir. And so once that plant gets burned, it's probably dead and would have to start over from seed again in order to grow. So, yeah. So it's really interesting because like I live uh, high Andes, right? And so we have like kind of we, it's called Paramo. It's like high Andean, like grass shrub, depending on what altitude and what side of the mountain you're on and what the humidity is. But a lot of people come and they think that it's really similar to the grasslands that you'd see like, uh, like fire dependent ecosystems in Australia or fire dependent ecosystems in the States, but it really not. Um, we don't get that much fire. It does get dry, but they don't have super deep root systems because the topsoil is pretty crap, <laughs> depending on where in the volcano and the high high mountain you're growing. Um, but we have a huge problem with uh, with eucalyptus because it dries the ecosystem out too much. Um, it was brought in for erosion control, and that is a fire dependent species, supposed to be, supposedly supposed to be in Australia, <laughs> but it got brought over here, and so it does have a really really deep root system. And it's so hard to get rid of here because it promotes fire. It dries everything out and it outcompetes the native plants here. So again, unlike our conservation, we have entire eradication projects on the mountainsides to like rip eucalyptus out of the ground basically. But it's, it's a huge undertaking because of that really deep root system. And yeah. you're, you're saying that even though that ecosystem is highly flammable, it's not fire adapted. Exactly. So, yeah. It's like volcano adapted, right? <laughs> so we have some really interesting plants that are some of the first ones to come back after, after volcanoes erupt and like, then can like poke through the ash and handle the now bad acidic soil <laughs> before it turns good or whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a geologist. <laughs> But we have, yeah, we have a couple that are like volcano specialists that can come back uh, and seed like relatively easily and kind of pop back out of out of that. But some of these fire dependent ecosystem species that are a problem, like one of the other things like the eucalyptus um, changes the like the nitrogen amount 
that's in the that's in the soil. And so our plants here are not adapted to <laughs> that much nitrogen in the soil and just like, nah, 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 like roll over and <laughs> don't survive. <Yeah>. Basically. <laughs> I study bugs. Plants are hard. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing like geology and plants with this one. I'm I like, know, all right. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we do have a couple. Like puma maki is a, like puma paw, which is a, a slow growing tree. They'll get to maybe about my height, a little bit taller, in about five years. But that's one of the first things. And Nancy is eight feet tall. Now. For anybody who's <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, he's never met Nancy. <laughs> I'm a giant. No, he knows boots she is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my boots, yes. <laughs> it's interesting that you brought up a uh, volcano specialist plants that are able to sort of take advantage of the volcanic soil or like the recent eruption area because um, tall grass or, or like prairie in North America is not the only fire adapted ecosystem in North America. There are also pine forests in the southeast mm-hmm. and in other areas of the continent that are fire adapted and so they need fire both to sort of clear out underbrush but also there are some species of tree in North America that the cones literally won't open to release seeds until they've been run over with fire um, which is really interesting and so it's incredible to look at how much the ecosystems of this continent have changed since European colonization because there has been so much fire suppression Mm -hmm. that these ecosystems have not been able to operate the way they would have normally. Um, You know, because we don't like fire burning our houses down and instead of adapting, we just decided to change everything around us. (laughs) To to bring it back to entomology, there are also insects. No, damn it, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting to say this the entire time. (laughs) Go ahead, Riot. Go ahead. Ounce. You well, sit what I was down. going to say, <laughs> it's just like there's the plants that, you know, that seed, you know, uh, seed maturation is, you know, dependent on fire for to grow new things. There's insects that that follow fires and will only like will only lay eggs in recently burnt wood. Um, there's like the charcoal beetles that follow fires and we suppress fires. You suppress their ability to reproduce. And we, we have a species in the there's a species in North America in the West, but then there's also a species in Australia. So these two like very fire dependent places, and it's just it's so cool. And you like you basically don't find them until there's a fire and there's like you know basically newly made like charcoal laying around on the ground. And like they started studying them in California because people were complaining when there were like beetle swarms coming to fires they were having because they were detecting like burnt wood. And, and that's like the only time you get to see them. It's just, it's so cool. Oh, I did not know that that was a thing that exists. Amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, are, we're allowed to say cuss words on this, right? Yes. I, I think I started yeah. out with the F word and, <laughs> and shit. Yeah. So. There's, yeah, there's, there's a, one of the beetles that Ryan mentioned, the firefighters out West will call them stump fuckers because you see them come and oviposit in still burning stumps. Whoa. Like the firefighters that are out there fighting fires will observe them. Yeah. Like I, I, one of the very first bugs I remember identifying on the what's this bug subreddit was um, a firefighter, you know, who was out fighting one of the big fires out West a couple of years ago and posted this bug and just like, what is this? You know, that's amazing. That's yeah. Wild. There's some, beautiful beetles and um some uh wood boring wasps and yep. yes really yep. cool stuff neat 
yeah, fire is a natural part of the world around us, and yeah. um, whether and not just to mention, oh, I was gonna say, and not just to mention the 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 things being uh, the, all that biomass being burned and put back down, and then you get this mass re input into like different nutrient cycles in the soil, and so that's that is why the like the prairies in North America were so fertile and rich and mm -hmm. had the like beautiful black soil everywhere mm -hmm. because it was built up and renewed all the time by these fires both natural and managed by native americans for thousands and thousands of years who knew what they were doing and understood what was going <laughs> on and and then europeans came in suppressed all the fire farmed the crap out of it because it had good soil for farming and depleted everything, which is how we ended up with the dust bowl mm. and dust tornadoes moving through the Midwest because the soil was gone, just ruined. And so that it, these, these ecosystems, their function and therefore humans being able to function with those ecosystems completely depends on having these fires in these systems that are part of the system. I remember when I was studying uh, in Australia to like a three month term abroad and I had just stopped working at the Albany pine bush and went to Australia and we were learning about the fire dependent ecosystems in Australia. And even though the plants like were different, once you started looking at them, it was like, wow, they have the same adaptations. Like if you kind of just like, it was just like the same basic plant with like an Australia Instagram filter on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, once you start looking at like the gears behind the ecosystem, how it worked, you're like, oh yeah, like these kind of, like these two main strategies work. Oh, look at this thing opens up and seeds when there's heat. <laughs> oh weird, there's these bugs that follow. Like it was just really, really interesting. I felt, I literally felt like I was in the same ecosystem, but with an Instagram filter. It was really, really cool. That's that's so great. I mean, that's that reminds me of. So I don't have a lot of prairie experience, but the the chaparral regions, which are another fire adapted community, which are kind of this desert most of the time edge kind of thing that you get in the Mediterranean Sea around the Mediterranean Sea, um, and also in California, there are these regions where you get a lot of water for a short period of time, and then basically it's dry for most of the rest of the year, um, and you get. A lot of fire adapted plants like mesquite um, and things like that but olives and grapes are both crops that are adapted to that because i'm an agriculture person this is where <laughs> my brain goes but it's it's why like when you think of wine in america you think of california or, because california is where we're the only place we have chaparral biomes in north america and so it's like oh these these crops that grew in the mediterranean you know like they also grow here and pomegranates too yeah there's a lot of like crops that are associated with certain biome that you can kind of pick up and plop in different places because yeah um <laughs> that's the end of that sentence that's the end of that <laughs> sentence i think I, I had something else to say but it, i lost it, it it's gone forever that's all right no i appreciated what ryan said about the soil um yeah like fire is so integral to these systems that's why we call them fire adapted systems but like uh, I've been working in the restored prairie and like our oldest sites have been being restored for 
35-ish years. Some sites of restored prairie are older than that. Um, and a lot of things start to look and act like prairie again after 35 years. A lot of the plants look similar. A lot of the animals are starting to come back, you know, birds and insects and things. But when you look at the soil, both like the structure of the soil, the mineral nutrient content of the soil, and also the microbial community of the soil, uh, scientists are starting to realize that like these soils might not be rehabilitated or restored even after like a hundred years of work. Um, so it's just, it's something that was there and was being sustained by natural processes and Native American fire burning. And then colonization came in and just like ruined it and we might never get it back. Or if we do, it's going to take an incredibly long time and a lot of hard work. So it's just uh, amazing to think about both how resilient these systems are to something as destructive as fire and also how fragile they are to having something changed as dramatically as removing the fire. Yeah, which we... is just mind blowing. Hmm? In the Albany pine bush, like one of the big problems that happened is like Aspen is the Aspen trees are local to New York, but not local to that, like that ecosystem. And so then when they get in there, they change the soil composition and they have these crazy huge root systems, like huge stands of Aspen are all one plant basically. So like one of the things we had to do, like one of the things that, again, this coming on my conservation that doesn't look like conservation yeah. is like, we would literally drill holes into the Aspen tree along the outside, like pump in herbicide cut them down then bulldoze the root system out of them and then put the dirt back and then plant the stuff that was supposed to be on top of that and it was like it's because of so much fire suppression these trees that weren't supposed to be there could get hold and then they're also nitrogen fixers and would change the soil composition that made it difficult for like the fire adapted stuff to grow there then once they got too big the canopy the blah 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 so it was like yeah like my one of my projects for conservation was figuring out like how much herbicide to pump into these trees so we could like kill them <laughs> and bulldoze them out of the ground i think you, you have all touched on something that I think is really interesting, which is like how recent Western scientists have kind of understood the importance of disturbance in, in ecosystem health. Because like if you go back to like the 1960s and Cheryl, you mentioned like early secessional stuff, right? Like that's Odom, right? Uh, the, he was a famous professor, early ecological theory, you know, and very much instilled in, I think, like American culture and like what we all probably learned in high school, which mm -hmm. is like you have, you know, a fire or, you know, you take an agricultural field and it's bad and then it gets, you know, some scrubby little weeds in it. And then after a couple of years, you get like early secessional trees and, you know, locusts and sweet gum and that kind of thing. And then, you, you know, eventually you get back to the, the real nature, which is like an oak tree, you know, forest or a pine forest or something like that. Right. And that's nature. And I think we, we still wrestle with that and it took us a it took us us white western scientists a really long time to overcome that kind of bias about what a natural system looked like that it looked like an old growth forest in the appalachians that hadn't been um, and there are places like that like if you go to like joyce kilmer or the smokies you know where you have old growth forests like it's too wet here to burn we like uh we don't have uh or at least it was before climate change and you know you do have these like areas where you have undisturbed systems relatively for hundreds of years but most of the world is not like that and so it's an important kind of progress and it explains why you know like cheryl saying like 
her her restoration projects are 35 years old you know mm-hmm. like that's that's only that's that's like how old i am you know like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not that old no, yeah. <laughs> well and i also like that you touched on like again this is something that like oh it's all well and good for us to be talking about how fire shaped ecosystems in the past and then you bring in climate change and like oh crap like now there's a whole nother level of something happening here where like climate change may cause some areas of, of the world to become a lot wetter, more precipitation, so they're less likely to burn. But in other areas of the world, it might become a lot hotter and a lot drier, and that might uh, exacerbate both the frequency of wildfires and their intensity. And so I, I have been telling you guys all fall that I was taking a soils class, and one of the questions on my final was... How do you think climate change and the potential increase in wildfires will affect the soil? And I spent a long time thinking about that and what I know about prairie fire and how it changes the plants and things about the soil. And it was just really interesting to think about like, oh, yeah, what if what if there were more fires and hotter fires on the prairie, a system that is fire adapted? Like, at what point does that system break and fire no longer mm-hmm. is good for it and actually becomes bad for it? And it was just really, like, interesting to think about that and then also scary to think about that, right? Because one of our jobs as um, ecologists or conservationists or whatever you want to call us is to think about how we might help ecosystems adapt to the inevitability of climate change at this point and like yeah what like what what can we do for the microbial community in a soil or you know just the structure of a soil if it's going to be burned that often or that hot because when a really hot fire goes over a soil like this is a leave no trace principle right you only start campfires within fire circles because if you just burn wherever it burns the organic layer of the soil away and that sort of starts the process of soil building all over again right and so there's just a lot to consider when you take this whole idea of fire and ecosystems and then add the climate change component yes it's crazy yeah i think like something Um, and just oh go cindy I was just, uh, when Peter mentioned the smoke keys, I was also thinking there's also uh, pollution-based changes that can make areas more fire susceptible. So I think, did they actually end up with fires up through the Blue Ridge uh, because of the tree die-off? I know up around Mount Mitchell, there's there was, it took them forever to figure out what, but it's basically pollution killed off a whole, whole bunch of trees. Yeah, so we did have, uh, so yeah, I think the, like, the Linville Gorge fires, which is like the most, the biggest right. fire that we had, you know, maybe gosh i don't even remember 10 years ago what is time um (laughs) uh but i think they were mostly drought related but it definitely exacerbated because we were an area that was heavily hit by acid rain back when acid rain was a thing which (laughs) we all learned about in middle school and 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 then i assume some of you are like oh right yeah that was a thing middle school uh, yeah sure shut up (laughs) yeah you're a baby um And then the the hemlock woolly adelgid has also killed off a lot of our Uh, our hemlock trees. And so um, we do have a lot of dead, standing deads from that, too. So, yeah, it's kind of a a progression. It's a lot of different things. Yeah. Did he's mention farming or fields or anything like that? They're nomadic. They're not doing slash and burn agriculture or anything like that, right? Yeah, no, this is this, at least for these goblins in this scenario, it was a hunting technique. Um, So, yeah, they're. Uh, he said they're seasonally nomadic, so they might have, uh, you didn't ask, but they might have like some small seasonal agriculture stuff that happens at their settlements, but they don't have sort of like established fields, right? Yeah, um, but you gotcha. can certainly talk about slash and burn agriculture. <laughs> well, 
so uh, I think, I mean, really getting into kind of the weeds of like agroecology, the yeah. weeds um, that, you know, most most agriculture requires a disturbance to start. Right. And I think most of us, we, when we think about starting a field or a garden or something like that, we're talking about tillage because it kills off all the long term plants, you know, that it, the, the plants that have been there for a couple of years, the perennials. Um, and it prepares the ground for for planting crops into, and that can also be done with fire. Fire is another disturbance that can can kill off perennial plants, selects for annual plants, which is important because most of our almost almost exclusively our our crops when we talk about vegetables or or fields, not orchards, but but specifically like our food staples are annual plants that thrive in recently disturbed systems because they're the easiest ones to grow, right? When we talk about like rice, wheat, corn, barley, rye, potatoes, all of those plants are are ones that thrive in a system that has been recently disturbed, like prairie ecosystems. Like the when I mentioned the Mediterranean earlier, like that's where a lot of the plants that you know white European immigrants, the, the ones that we eat, come from because it's a it's a frequently disturbed system. It has a lot of these plants, so we had a lot of options as far as like what we wanted to select and breed and and grow over the years um, and cultivate into the the crop plants that we have now. So there's there is kind of this close tie between disturbance annual plants that are disturbance adapted and the evolution of agriculture like they they barely go hand in hand like we chose disturbance oriented plants because they did the best for breeding right you know a plant that that creates a new generation every year is easier to breed than a plant that produces a new generation every five years right it takes less time to select for a trait you like or something like that so yeah slash and burn agriculture is something that um i mean it's basically a way to create a disturbance without disturbing the soil so there are there are benefits to it there are drawbacks to it too um it's a it's a traditional uh, north american and asian practice um it's not really done a lot in europe and things like that but yeah basically where you you burn a lot and then you plant into that newly barren soil and if you do it right you can you know you can fix carbon and if you if you do it too much you can strip the nutrients out of the soil so it's kind of a tricky situation and it's used a lot in in the tropics to you know it's kind of paired with forest clearing so it has kind of a bad connotation um i think a lot of people when they think of slash and burn agriculture they think of people you know like burning the amazon rainforest to put cattle on it and that's not a traditional practice you know traditional practice would be instead of tilling your one acre potato field at the end of the year you burn it off and then you plant into it again you know that's a that's a very different practice than you know, knocking trees over and setting them on fire. That on Ecuador, I have like some, depending when clients are coming, especially like on the coastal regions, like um, there's some dry coastal regions and there's some like jungle coastal regions, but regardless, you'll see like all the people kind of making a big pile of like the stuff that they macheted down and then just let it like a really, it's like really small fires. They're maybe like this big. <laughs> it just like goes through the dirt, goes through their clearing. So um, and people ask me about it all the time and like, oh, this is what they're doing. And it's not like hacking down the Amazon like you might think it is. Other thoughts on fire and ecosystems? 
fire and hunting. I mean... You look like you're going to say something. Go for it. (laughs) I mean, the the chat has already said that they've heard enough of me talking about science, but... (laughs) He has more to say. Do we have the time? (laughs) Well, you talked about using... um, Using fire to drive mammals, which was a was and is a, a Native American practice. He also um, mentioned insects, right? Yeah, which was, which was and is not practiced as frequently now, but is still a Native American practice of driving things like locusts. Mm-hmm. Like if you like the Miriam talking about eating grasshoppers. Like if any of you have tried to catch a grasshopper, which <laughs> I I know some of you have tried to catch a grasshopper, mm-hmm. but our viewers may not have experienced that joy. <laughs> can be can by joy. Be really he means frustration. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, I I know there were I can't remember the tribal names, but there are some groups who you know basically would create a big burn and then bring it into a circle in the middle and kind of concentrate those those grasshoppers yeah. in the middle and either have a pit there to catch it or like a uh, like a catch blanket i think you know basically you drive it in and then um, pop it up and got all those grasshoppers which is great because grasshoppers are great food but one is not gonna do much for you and so you need a lot to make a meal <laughs> not even the very big ones make a meal all on their own <laughs> yeah no. just briefly giving me flashbacks of trying to catch crickets in a theater and set it on the <laughs> fire though is the thing why were there crickets in your theater because For austin texas moments. has crickets at a certain time of year oh okay and they just go wherever they want and one of them happened to land i was i was running tech for one of the biggest comedy festivals in town and one of our our guests was a stand-up comedian who had become mayor of some town in Iceland. His first language was not English. He did a stand-up routine, and we had an honest-to-God live cricket that had hidden itself away inside the stage within range of the floor mics. <gasps> oh, no! And... The, and this was at one of the larger theaters in town, and the, the woman in charge there and I and several of her people had spent about an hour earlier in the day trying to find that damned cricket, and we couldn't. So we hoped we just it wouldn't be noticeable, and instead we had a producer texting the group going, where's the cricket? Find it. <laughs> that's, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. So stressful. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. And my favorite part of it was all of the uh, all of the the full time theater people the next day when it had finally gone sort of backstage and we actually might have been able to find it going well you can't kill it it's bad luck oh my gosh mm. <laughs> and I'm going I'm not feeling that generous today I'm sorry <laughs> I like that you were like but we couldn't set the theater on fire I'm sure after all of that mm. you wished you could <laughs> no I just love the, the the careful description of like how effective must that be. That's not an option for my problem. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounds incredibly stressful. Um, <laughs> well, it was it was hilarious at the time too. Um, okay, so tell me about this. Is it a weta that you're talking about in the chat? Tell me more about this rat-sized cricket. The wetas. Weta. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like a cricket in New Zealand, and they're like the size of a hamster. And there's like cute pictures of people feeding them carrots. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's the extent us. that I know about them. They exist, they're big, they eat carrots. I want one as a pet. They look um, cute. Okay, I guess I'm Googling W-E-T-A now to find pictures <laughs> of... Oh, that's a public television station. That's not what I'm looking for. Oh my yeah, you god! Gotta put, you gotta put one of those flat uh, uh, accents over the top of the E and the A. They are very large. Yes, <laughs> they, they are not small, as we'd like to say in the industry. So the Wettas are actually more closely related to, you know, those crickets that people get in their basement, you know, the yeah, ones the that everybody hates. Crickets? Yeah, no, not Jerusalem crickets, the, the ones cave that people call crickets. sprickets, cave, cave crickets, cave crickets, yeah, yeah. camels, cr camel crickets. They're a very regionally specific thing. And they're yeah. one of those things that like extension agents notoriously get calls about because people will move from one place to another place mm -hmm. and they're real creepy i just mentioned them they're closely related to the wettas so they're actually even though they're crickets they're actually more closely related to wettas than they are to like field crickets okay. like we have around here yeah they have that similar like kind of curved back body shape going on mm -hmm. okay that's why they're called that's... camel crickets sometimes right. Oh, that's adorable. Also, the picture of Carrot is adorable. Yeah. Right? That's really so freaking cute. cute. <laughs> it's like in his like hand, he's like, eat this cricket. You're practically a hamster, but you know, like hypoallergenic. <laughs> There's a good sales pitch to have one of them as a pet. Um, <laughs> but hypoallergenic. Amazing. Um, love that. Well, I learned about, about a new bug today. That's good. Um, <laughs> Makes it a good day. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've veered off from talking about fire to talking <laughs> about crickets. No, no, it's fine. Don't ever apologize for talking about cool bugs. Anything else? Or are we moving back into the story? I think we should probably move on at this point. Okay. <laughs> we're moving on. Oops. I, uh oh, Peter did that. I want to say something. What else do you want to say? One more, Peter. Peter? I, I just, I just wanted to say one thing that if you ever have the opportunity to pick up a weta, you should probably be careful because they can um, bite. They can bite. They'll bite very hard. They yeah. don't have and venom or anything, but they do have big chompers, and the big <laughs> chompers are effective against your soft skin. And yes, the, yeah, the I guess they can effectively eat a carrot. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, people, yeah, exactly. People underestimate like the like large herbivorous insects and how much they can actually like really hurt you because like if they're big, that means they're eating bigger plant material. Sometimes that means really hard stuff. So their mandibles, a, a lot of insects have like, I, in like their mandibles, if they're putting mandibles into wood or their ovipositor, if they're laying eggs in wood, they have, they uh, sequester and deposit metals in those yeah, parts of like their body to make it crazy. hard enough to go through those materials. So like they will bite in through your finger like <laughs> you can't just pick them up <laughs> yeah look up like spiny devil katie did bite and you'll see lots of bloody fingers yeah and, and though so okay so the spiny devil katie did that's like one that people have as pets because they're really weird looking but like we have a genus of shieldback katie dids the atlanticus that occurs in the east coast and they'll they'll bite the hell out of you I mean, yeah they'll, yeah if you look at a at a cricket or a grasshopper and you see it has like big hardened like brownish black mandibles that look like they could crunch through like a carrot or a bug, they can probably do that and also do that to your finger. So it is not recommended to pick them up. <laughs> it's like don't course, let a horse bite you. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, like <laughs> any animal when bothered might do that. I 
I've been bitten by an adult Dobson fly, which was really fun because those things have enormous. Wait, a male or female? That means that means it was a female. You got bitten by it. Yeah, they had huge mouth parts, and I was a kid, and I was like walking past uh, lights along like a trail at night, you know, like like electric lights that were approximately at the height that my hand was swinging, and all of a sudden I looked up and was like, "Oh God, there's something on my hand." (laughs) Yeah. They have huge math parts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Peter's doing the face again. What, Peter? No, 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 no. I, I, that was it. I don't oh, have anything okay. else to say. All right. All right. We're, we're done with science for now. For now. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So you've got this uh, wide swath of blackened earth that's still faintly smoking and very ashy and just looks entirely unlike anything probably any of you have seen before because it is nothing like you know the lush ecosystems that you've been walking through um and so yeah you've got this in between you and sort of heading north that's where you are did did we get all of our stuff i assumed so you had two minutes when nadia saw it coming so I, was... I don't think we hadn't like just woken up, right? Like yeah. we, I, like we, we, had, we were just talking about leaving camp. So like we, I, we should have. We were packed up and ready to to do whatever we were going to do. And Nadia saw that. Yeah. So okay. I assume that you have your stuff at least like mostly packed up. You might have some weird things like slung over your shoulders, you know, but. Like, yeah. yeah, I just have all the like the posts from Lucanus's tent just like stuck under my arm. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like I didn't have time to pack them up properly. They're just like, <laughs> yeah. But you didn't lose any belongings Running in the fire. Canvas like flying yeah. behind him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My boots are on the wrong feet. Oh, <laughs> dude, what was your problem with the with the goblin people? Do you not remember the goblins that tried to murder us like a couple of weeks ago? No, I just remember Lucanus dying. So, no, I don't actually remember. Sorry. Really? Because you got fucking stabbed that time. Remember? You almost died? Right. I remember the almost dying. I don't remember who did it. Mm -hmm. It was traumatic. I tried to erase all of it from my memory. I even threw my clothes out. Yeah. So, I mean, there are clearly some goblins in Arda allied with these orcs. We can't just assume that every race of people that we run into is is going to be friendly. Wait, duly noted. When did you get attacked by goblins? Didn't yeah, we get attacked by? No, no, the orc. That wasn't the the very first time that we got attacked by a uh, orc, when you were, wasn't it? When you were orcs? coming home from hanging out with the Abixians? Yeah, wasn't that an orc? It was just orcs. I thought it was orcs and goblins together. Oh, I maybe it was there just were... orcs. I thought it was, like, one orc and, like, two goblins or something like that. Mm. Like, I remember there being, like, one big guy that Lucanus bisected. I got stabbed through and don't remember much about the whole thing. One orc and three goblins, according to Fletcher's notes. All right, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, maybe there were goblins. I don't remember. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Valid. Yeah. So, like, clearly some of the local goblins. And obviously, you know, I know there are tribal people, but... We we need to be careful, right? I mean, if anything, the this thing with Lucanus shows us we need to be more careful. Yeah. Just there's there's kind of some some space between not being careful and 
pulling out your weapons, though, is the thing. I mean, it's not like I ran at her. Just... Can we argue about this some other time? I'm, like, not in the spirit for arguing. Sure. Cool. Turn around and go back the way we came. Uh, by that you mean you're turning around and going, going back north. north. Okay, I was like, wait, are we, we going south home to get away okay. from the fire? <laughs> okay, so wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so we south. <laughs> Where's Uber ran south to get away from the fire, so we have to turn okay. back now. Sorry, I was just like, wow, the way the morale is right now, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if you meant turn around and go home. But okay, <laughs> gotta solve Nadia's river problem first. We're not done yet. <laughs> Look at her. She's like, Nadia, not, like literally is dragging done. us by the ears. <laughs> you made a promise. <laughs> okay, so you turn around. We've already come so far. Sunk cost. Sunk policy. cost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like the sunk cost fallacy gets a lot of D and D parties through their adventures. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I hate all of you, but I've been traveling with you for months, so I guess we'll just keep fighting the demon lord or whoever. Yeah, <laughs> We're pot committed at this point, and we're yeah. contractually bound as well. Yeah, Cedric doesn't hate all of you. I was talking in general right, about yeah. D&D parties. There's also yeah. no demon lord, as far as you know, so, you know. Yeah. That was a generic <laughs> don't example. don't give her any ideas. <laughs> that was a generic example from the other campaign that I'm in. Right. <laughs> Fine print rolls across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I already there's already been one demon devil something like that mentioned briefly in the tree. Mm-hmm. The tree. Demon. I'm sure that won't book. ever ever come back. Better that not will be relevant ever in the future. <laughs> Kay is trudging in a direction, probably in whatever direction someone actually physically turned her, and is like looking at the ground and kicking the ash puffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah if she was going the wrong way. I just again. <laughs> <laughs> she just like veers off she just like steadily goes to the left and, and Nadia's just like <laughs> amazing <laughs> recalibrates maybe we need to like put a leash on her oh. <laughs> pretty much yeah Kay it's it's actually there's a lot to hold your attention when you look down because again like walking on freshly burned prairie is just so strange um, it probably still feels kind of warm depending on what kind of shoes you've got on but um, yeah there's just the ash is such a strange texture um, actually here's another science fact I didn't throw out earlier um, when the fire goes over it actually causes the soil to momentarily create hydrophobic particles so if you try to pour water on a soil that's just been burned the water will just sort of like pool and not soak down in which is wild so weird um, yeah i mean you wouldn't know that unless you tried it right now but you can definitely tell that like the soil and the ash are just like weird weird textures yeah Kay's tears are beating (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much And you are starting to head north again across this black, blackened, burnt ground, smoking expanse. Okay. That seems like it's, yeah, it's uh, an hour and a half in almost exactly. Um, so this seems like a good place for us to take our 10 minute break. Uh, so we will take a bio break. You can do the same. We'll come back in approximately 10 minutes and tell some more story. Sound good, everybody? Okay, you don't really have an option. The audience doesn't understand. <laughs> you are being shut down. We'll be back soon. Bye. BRB. Bye. Well, hello there, young adventurer. I've been waiting for you. We've met before, don't you remember? Ah, no worries. I'm quite forgetful myself. 
The other sparks are waiting for you. Leviath, Shuey, Theo, and Brandy. They've had such wonderful tales to tell. A truly marvelous story. I wonder which one of them will be the chosen one. Perhaps none of them will. Perhaps it will be you. The morning's coming soon. I have to leave now. Will I see you again? I sure hope so. Is a story really a story if there's no one to tell it to? Well, goodbye for now, adventurer. Chosen Ones is a visual novel-style D&D podcast on YouTube that releases every Thursday at 1pm CST. Find us on Twitter at Chosen Ones D&D. Come adventure with us. Uh, I... I don't understand. Am I just supposed to talk into it? Okay, fell. Hello, this is Leon Feist, the owner of the Marked Bird Tavern in New Seychester. If you need a drink or some food or a room, my tavern is in the market district with the wooden bird sign above the door. You can't miss it. And the menu is much better now that we've taken the fish off of it. All right, there we are. We're always kind of ready, but never really. Um, <laughs> there it is. Now it's back on the screen. Perfect. Hi, everybody. We're back. Hope you had a good break. Do we take bits on here? We do take bits, Nikki. If you want to give us bits, we would appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I think what are bits? Why don't I know what anything is? It's, it's a thing on uh, uh, it's a thing on Twitch. But I think Xander oh, I Xander was cheering us bits two or three episodes ago. Um, he was cheering bits every time somebody did damage. So he was cheering the number of bits that the person did damage on whatever you were fighting. So. <laughs> Veronica, you say that like every four episodes that I scare you with my enthusiasm when we come back from break. <laughs> Gotta be ready. Ten minutes, man. We set a timer. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, okay. So for those of you just joining us, um, we started off the episode with the group having taken a day to just sort of process... Um, and then it was the next morning and they were packing up their campsite when all of a sudden a wildfire came roaring across the prairie towards them. They had to hop out of the way and they talked to some goblins and got some information. And then we talked about fires on the prairie and their use um, ecologically and for hunting purposes. And now we're back and y'all are walking across this burnt expanse of prairie. It's not incredibly large, like maybe, you know... 200, 300 yards, so two or three American football fields. Not, you know, outrageously large, but it was a big fire compared to you, <laughs> right? So, yeah, there's puffs of ash coming up from under your footsteps. There's little whiffs of uh, uh, smoke coming up from the ground. Nancy compared it to Centralia in Pennsylvania earlier, which if you don't know anything about Centralia, it's worth a Google. It's a weird place. Um, it's a town that is burning underground, um, forever yeah and it's like a weird like partial ghost town there are some people who still live there but a lot of people took government money and left and so now there are just driveways that go to nowhere because all the houses were raised to try to prevent mm. people from squatting there because it's dangerous right yeah um, there's like sulfuric acid and stuff in the air or whatever and also the ground could like cave in under your house you know fun stuff like that uh, but anyway um this expanse of ground that you're walking across is not dangerous for any of those reasons, at least not as far as you can tell. It was just burned recently by a group of goblins using fire to capture prey for hunting purposes. Uh, yes, no. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, Qui-Gon has also been to Centralia. Awesome. It's a wild place. Um, I was saying my favorite memory from there was the smoke coming up between the graves in the cemetery, which was really spooky. Uh, I touched a rock because I'm an idiot and burnt my hand. <laughs> 
Does this happen every time? <laughs> Sorry. It was very on brand. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, y'all are walking across. I don't know, if, Nadia, if you're still flying or walking, but that you are making your way north as far as I know. I feel like at some point I would probably think that this, the, the ash feels weird and just start flying. It's very warm because you have bare feet, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it would be very warm still, and you'd probably be better off flying, yeah. I don't I don't like that. Understandable. Yeah, I'm marching north. I think I'm, Fletcher's probably at the front. Kay is too distracted to know where she is, but she is enjoying kicking the, the ash puffs and throwing rocks in random directions. As we walk, because I, I assume we ran like pretty much in parallel to the edge of the fire and then now we're basically heading back towards our campsite as we come across like our old fire ring so just gonna be like i guess we don't have to put this out or anything (laughs) yeah guess not well kay kicks a particularly large ash pile (laughs) all right fletcher are you leading yeah, we should keep going. All right, lead the way. When we get uh, when we get closer, uh, Nadia, if, if if he thinks that there may be perhaps old mine structures or these other nomadic peoples, those at least there's something we know something you could look for rather than yeah, you mm-hmm. know, if it's a desert, it could be a whole lot of nothing. So hopefully. <laughs> You might recognize one of those yeah, things that, that give he us thinks might be there. And I'll just pop up periodically and see if I can see anything like that, I guess. Because we're how far are we still from the desert? When you were looking up in the morning before you saw the fire, you estimated that the desert was probably like, you would probably be hitting like legit desert at the beginning of like the next day of travel. Okay. Yeah. As we go, I mean, <laughs> so... So, where, I mean, what was burned doesn't encompass, obviously, then, the, the entirety of, of where we're going to be traveling across. So we'd be definitely be keeping an eye out for food. Like, once we get out of what has been burned, especially, like, what the goblins mentioned and making sure we try to <laughs> collect as much as we can. Yeah. Um, if you want to do some foraging, you can give me a survival check to see how much you find. 22. Wow. No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just a nope. Just a nope. Um, Yeah. So Nadia, after I imagine after you get out of the burned area, you might come back down towards the ground, but your, your keen senses and your experience relying on foraging help you to find quite a few, you know, edible berries and flowers and you know plant root well, plants that you can pull up the roots and whatever you might even catch a few bugs if you're so inclined given that you have a fly speed and stuff like that so yeah i imagine her sort of flitting back and forth around the party as you continue moving that she's finding things for you and sort of stuffing them in a knapsack yeah yeah at some point i'd probably sort of fill my bag and then say does anyone else have a bag that you could carry some of this and used sure. to forging for myself uh yeah you can you can put stuff in my bag if you want okay so just every once in a while i pop up behind you and throw something in your bag Alley-oop. <laughs> <laughs> <Slim dunk. laughs> 
I imagine that we're traveling in relative silence, right? Like other than the things that we've said, we're basically just kind of trudging along. That explains so, the awkward silences. This is great mm -hmm. TV. Yeah. Um, so after after about like a a really 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 long awkward silence where we're all trudging along, Cedric is just gonna go. I mean, look, if there is a mine, it's not dwarves because dwarves would never pro they would never pro pollute an underground river. Like that's that's very sloppy mindsmanship. So. Whatever we're looking for, it's not a dwarven mine. That's all I have to say about that. Uh huh. Could... Okay. I mean, I, we'll see when we get there. What if it is a dwarven mine? What you gonna do about it? What if it's not a mine? I'm just saying. I, I mean, uh, real dwarves who know what they're doing never make a mine that that polluted an underground river. It's just sloppy. It would be. No one has no one has accused dwarves, Cedric. Yeah, I know that none of you guys said anything, but like, I just wanted, I wanted you all to know, dwarves are better than that. Okay. Well, thank you for that PSA. <laughs> thank you for that five hundredth reminder of that fact, Cedric. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, what do you guys think it is, though? Do you even think it like Fletcher says it might not even be a mine? I don't, I don't know it what it could be, be. It could be any number of things. It could be a natural source or something that one of the peoples in the land created. It could be something that is actively producing this. It could be something abandoned. It, it who knows until we get there. Well, what are some things that we should look for? I mean, a mine, I get it, but like, what are some signs of well, like what direction or like something that we should? I don't know. Well, like tailings would be the sign of a mine, right? Um, all I the, don't know what those are. Well, um, in my third cousin uh, Flemington's mine, uh, the 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 tailings were dumped outside. You know, I mean, you normally we use them for like building stuff and filling in areas or whatever. But, you know, it's basically like everything you don't need. You know, you're mining for let's say you're mining for precious, precious gold or precious metals or gems or something like that. All the other stuff that isn't that stuff, you just kind of dump it. Right. And you can use it like fill dirt or you can, you know, haul it outside, just dump it outside, you know, where you know, all the, you know, that where the dwarves don't live. So you don't care about what happens to it outside, but you know, like underground, you got to take care of all your resources and things like that. So you wouldn't want to like dump, you know, tailings, especially if you've used, so sometimes you, you'd use acid to extract precious metals and things like that from ore, which is why I mentioned a mine. So some, Mines do produce, you know, acidic waste, but it would be very irresponsible to deal with it in some way that that ended up with it leaching back into an underground river. Because I mean, those are the rivers you use, right? Like, though, you wouldn't want to poison one of those. So I mean, you live underground, but what if there's a group of people who live above ground and like dumped it underground because that's where they don't live? 
Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, see, it's one of you above grounders, probably. One you of know? us above grounders? What? What? I mean, I'm just saying. If you don't like us, you can leave. You know. No, I like you guys fine. You guys are great. Um. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm just saying. It's you know, you you don't know a lot about mining. It's true. I said I didn't know anything about mining. I see? literally said that. That's what I'm saying. If you if you were a dwarf, you'd know a lot about mining, and then you you wouldn't dump any. any and if you were a human, you would know river. a lot about everything else. Well, I do. I mean, I know a lot about a lot of things. Moradin, gemstones. Your imaginary friend. He's doing a real good job protecting our friends. Our real ones here. You know, Moradin, Moradin does what he can. He doesn't place any challenges in front of us that he knows we can't handle. I'm sure that he wouldn't have he wouldn't have encouraged Lucanus to make that choice if he didn't believe that Lucanus needed to be in the astral plane. Yeah, in the astral plane. All right, I'm just saying, it just seems like we had bad luck and walked into a trap like a bunch of idiots. Sure, that happens. That's why I'm saying we got to be more vigilant about... You just said it was planned. If it's planned, then it doesn't matter how vigilant we are. Well, I mean... This is why religion is stupid. The gods help those who help themselves. And Lucanus wasn't helping himself? He was well, what? He was like, some what, things are unavoidable. Whatever. There's a reason why people don't like you. And she just, like, trudges off and kicks more ash. People don't like me? Uh, I like you. Thanks, Nadia. I'm, I mean, I don't hate you or anything. I'm just saying, like, sometimes you rub people the wrong way. Sorry. Yeah, me too. And she kicks another pile of ash. <laughs> I don't know if Fletcher would have even heard any of this because he's probably walking a lot faster than the other three. <laughs> he's been pretty much looking ahead and just doggedly walking forward. Mm-hmm. Not really engaging in anything like that with the others. Cedric's having to like run to catch up with Fletcher now. <laughs> of his chainmail. <laughs> Kay, like, sees them up ahead, but has, like, no energy to even care. She's like, whatever, I'll just get fucking left behind, whatever. Not any different than, you know, being abandoned on the street. It's not like that's never happened before. Are you saying this to yourself or to Nadia? I'm just muttering to myself angrily. If anyone hears, they hear. If they don't hear, then that's fine. So I guess we travel for the rest of the day? It's not fair! It's not fair. Like, the whole thing isn't fair. You're all yeah. just like, I don't know, as if it never happened. I don't know, Cedric, you tell of all these, like, dwarves that you know, like, had a great honor and, like, went into the plane and, like, did stuff. But, like, what did they do? Did you guys make those legends up? Were they real people? What happened afterwards? Sure, they were real people, but the thing you think of, you got to think about this is 
we don't write legends about the people who, you know, were hanging out with those people beforehand and then got left behind when those people got, you know, raised up in the astral plane. We're those people right now. So, you know. What? So those people aren't like doing good stuff in the world and we don't get our own stories? No, we're going to get our own stories. This is just, you know, one of those ones that, you know, you skip over because it's boring. Like, you know, the Book of Morden, chapter 3, verse 87 through. 120 so someone did write about it you just didn't read it no i mean you read it once and then you don't read it again because it's just you know a bunch of baguettes and that kind of thing i was just gonna say the baguettes thank you <laughs> anybody who's read the the bible you're Ooh. like wow this gets boring real quick after genesis <laughs> but this like changes everything right like why are we even on this stupid adventure anymore? Like, no one was supposed to die. Do you think an adventure wouldn't change everything? I mean, the point of being an adventurer is to incite change. You know, Lucanus might be like... changing important things in the astral plane. We might be on a mission right now to change the fate river? of this river. That's it? Did no. You... We're also potentially reigniting beacons to bring back the gods. Did you forget your sacred mission that you've been set upon? I mean, I don't want this mission. You take it. You want to be the goddamn chosen one so much. Why don't you fucking take this job? Well, that's not that's not a choice that I get to make. That's not something that that I've been tasked with this. This. I don't want it. Well, you don't get to make that choice. Who do I petition? Um, well, you could petition Morden or... I petition Morden. You put in a good word for me. You tell him that I don't want his bullshit and he can give to someone else. Well, I know that Morden wouldn't have placed this in front of you if he didn't know you could handle it, Kay. I don't want to handle it. It doesn't matter what I can handle. I mean, I don't want to. I'm just saying that you want to be chosen so bad, so can I just, like, trade? No. You can read Celestial. You've got the same chance and knowledge that I do. I can't even read it. Maybe you don't need to read it to do whatever it is you need to do, Kay. Uh, I hate this. I hate everything. Everything is stupid. <laughs> Angrily eats French fry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming she's snacking on something. I, yeah, I figured as much. <laughs> not grasshopper, though. She's definitely not yeah. eating grasshopper. Anything Nadia brings over, she's just immediately eating without thinking about it. We've all been there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Are we there yet? You know we're not. Are we close? I don't know, Kay. I'm not the navigator. That was something that I was not called to be. Yeah, I think Fletcher's in charge of that. Hey, hey, Fletcher! <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about what we're going to do if we encounter one of these temples again. I mean, Kay and I, Kay and I were just talking about the, um, you know, the thing that happened the other day and how, like, we apparently aren't <laughs> supposed to be in these temples. If we encounter another one, what are we going to do? Why don't we talk about that once we're actually at our next camp? <laughs> it's really great fully work, guys. Thanks. Uh... <laughs> okay. So you definitely want to camp. As we see the transition 
between these biomes continuing to happen, I assume we would set up camp before we get into anything like very deserty, like mm-hmm. where we have at least a hope of like perhaps finding a little bit more food around our camp or something like that. Yeah. Well, we're not going to flash quite that far forward yet um, because Fletcher, as you said, you're sort of doggedly walking ahead of these folks and all of you seem like you're sort of stomping a little bit if I might be so bold. Seems like there's a mood (laughs) happening. What is that cat doing right now? Um, (laughs) Whatever she wants. Okay. Yeah, it seems like there's a mood happening. So maybe everybody except Nadia is stomping right now. (laughs) When all of a sudden, Fletcher, um, you feel the ground around you start to rumble and um all of a sudden two very large heads you hazard they certainly seem hazardous uh pop up out of the ground on either side of you and um we will there's a random monster encounter head on to roll 20 i hate this day (laughs) i hate this month oh it's a bunch of graboids a bunch of what Graboids. What is that from? Has no one seen Tremors? No. I have Oh my god. Sorry. It's been a long time. Y'all need to see Tremors. They look like termites. I (laughs) Oh kind of. Yeah. Um so what (laughs) No, they're like totally soldier termites. We have some here that have big jaws like that. Yeah, so what you see is the heads at least as they're starting to emerge from the ground of two very large maybe insectoid type creatures with huge mandibles and armored heads and bodies. Um, They are very large. They take up a 10 foot square on the map. So they are bigger than you um, and heavily armored and seem intent on moving towards you. So I would suggest that you roll initiative. (laughs) You would suggest that we roll initiative well. Yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) That too. Um... Where is the initiative? Oh, wow. That's awful. Okay. Um, Monster time. Monster time. Yes. Big, big buggy things coming out of the prairie. D&D fans will know this one. It's a classic. Um, Anybody with an initiative greater than 20? 21. Cedric is going first with a 21. That's new. Okay. Um, 15 to 20. 16. 16 for Nadia. Uh, 10 to 15. 14. 14 for, oh, Kay is really feeling it today. Kay, what did you get? A six. A six. (laughs) You still beat the bugs. (laughs) They did... Real bad. But that's okay, because they just like they just like popped out of the ground and now they're having to extricate themselves from the soil, so it makes sense that it's gonna take them a minute. So yeah, Cedric, you are maybe like five, ten feet behind Fletcher and a little off to his side, and there's one of these big bug things coming up out of the ground on either side of him, basically. What would you like to do? Looks like there's some good eating on one of those things. I'm going to run forward and smash it with my Warhammer. Okay, do that. 19 versus AC. 19 versus AC. Yeah, that'll hit. Nine damage. Nine damage. Sorry, I forgot to write down. I'm assuming that was on the red one because you didn't move to it. but um, Yes, okay. sorry. That's yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. No, the closer one to me. Yeah, so and... I'm going to run up beside Fletcher and just kind of... Okay. Shoulder to shoulder. And that was... Smash it in the face. And that was nine, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I hate doing math. Okay, there it is. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, Nadia, you are next. Um, you're sort of off on Fletcher's other side and a ways back you were foraging. Um, but yeah, there are two large bugs coming up out of the ground. Um, You've never seen um, anything quite like this before. Oh, okay. Boy, I just don't even know. How about, how about that, uh, that acidic blob thing I can do? Okay, sure. Da, 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 da. Just gotta remember how it works. Oh my god, it's been 10,000 years since I looked at this. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> You've got a lot of abilities. Where is the... Okay, 2d4. I guess, do I have to... It's either I still have to roll the hit, right? It's either you doing an attack or them doing a save. Is it? This is. It's the... like, it's like Melsacid arrow. Right. Um, I think that might be. Yeah, it gets a ranged spell attack, range. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's ranged. Yeah. Okay, ranged touch attack. Uh, which one are you attacking? The one on the left or the one? On uh, the probably right? the the one that Cedric just hit. <clears throat> okay, so you're. Are you gonna move so that you're not trying to fire through your friends then? Oh, it's totally on the opposite side. Never mind. I'll I'll hit the other one. Okay, so you're going for the one on the left. That's okay. that's better idea. <laughs> <laughs> you could fire acid over Cedric's head. We we can see how that would work. <laughs> that just seems like asking for trouble. I need a haircut anyways. Just Ooh. burn it all off. <laughs> well, I just rolled a natural twenty. Um, uh, that means you so... roll again um, to see if you can confirm the uh, critical hit. That's an eight. So no. Uh, was it an eight on the die? Um, yeah. Okay. What's like? What's all your attack add no, stuff? It's the attack. It's not the general thing. Mm -mm -mm. It's only plus three. That's enough. They don't have a very good touch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Cool. Um, <laughs> so that means that your critical is confirmed. So yeah. You double... So Ariel is two d four. Yeah, you double everything. And I'll the... double that. Yeah. So that's four eight. Eight. All right, yeah, so you, is it like a, I don't remember if we decided it was like a spit arrow, thing you do, or? Arrow deals, yeah, so it's basically like a spit thing, um, no, uh, takes 2d4 points of acid damage, no splash, for every three caster levels, and this defaults to level three, right. the acid unless neutralized lasts another round, so it gets one extra round. Uh, doing another 2d4 points of damage in that round. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, so you spit a glob of acid and it hits this thing square in one of its eyes and it just sort of like, you know, jolts back a little bit as it's trying to crawl up out of the soil towards you. Oh, there's lots of positivity happening in the chat. That's nice. Okay, uh, Fletcher, your friends have moved up beside you, or one of your friends has moved up beside you. There are two very large bugs. One of them is right in your face. Um, I think I'd take a a single step back mm -hmm. to make enough room to hold up my staff and try to cast a scorching ray on the one that Nadia just attacked. Nice. Okay. Ledger is having none of this today. Okay. <laughs> Fuck this bug. <laughs> and you uh, it's and... a it's a, a not natural twenty. And this is a ranged touch attack? Ranged touch attack. Okay, yep. yeah, that hits. Okay. And you're also hitting the one on the left that Nadia hit? The one that Nadia hit, yep. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so that gives me... That fell. 14 points of fire damage. Wow! Wow! <laughs> 
this and you let loose this is it it's it's a ray right so it's just this like line of fire it's a, yeah beam yeah. that shoots out so this beam of fire goes crackling through the air and strikes this thing and just like sort of hits the front where it's got this armored face and these big pincers and it sort of like breaks at that point and like goes all around the outside of this bug and it is very very crispy <laughs> very crispy <laughs> wow that was yeah that was a lot of damage for it um yeah and uh then there's k nice is it possible like if i move a little bit is it possible for me to aim for like the not armored head or does that is that not a thing it is pretty well covered in armor okay. like as it's emerging from the ground you can see this thing is heavily plated like it looks like a bug right every every part of it that is visible is sclerotized or hardened like the exoskeleton I mean, not i mean like termites pretty general i'm just gonna say yeah are termites are pretty on the squishy, front end but... and very squishy in the back yeah, end. yeah yeah no these things are pretty heavily armored yeah um i'm gonna yank out one of those red arrows i've got I don't know what this thing is going to do, but I'm pissed and I'm going to shoot it. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Uh... <laughs> and uh, I guess I'm going to shoot it, I guess. Okay. All right, come on. At the one on the left? Yeah, okay. I got a not I got a not natural 20. Wow, you guys are rolling really good today. Um, So that hits. So you can... And it also screams, right? It and does. It screams. Let me... Uh... Let me find the thingy for that. Da, 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 da. Oh my god. Wait. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry, I had to remember which book this thing was out of. But yes, the arrow screams as it flies from your bow. Do I hit it? Should I roll damage? Yes, you should roll damage. And it's a plus one arrow, so you add one to the damage. I got six. Okay. That is, wow. Um, <laughs> sorry. Where is it? There it is. Okay. Mm -mm 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 -mm. 20 feet. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think, I don't think it's immune to mind affecting effects. Nope. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, so first we will resolve that. Uh oh. Okay, so uh, it screams, um, the arrow screams, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the arrow screams, about to ask. and it hits the bug on the left that y'all ganged up on, and it pierces it in a crack in the, in the armor, as you were trying to point out, and between the acid and the fire <laughs> and the arrow, the thing sort of like crumples back into the hole that it was trying to emerge from. Uh, so you have killed it. That was quick. <laughs> it was just trying to crawl up. It just barely got anywhere. <laughs> know, right? They're they just rolled, getting wailed they on. They rolled real bad on their initiative. Um, they got a two. Uh, <laughs> and then it is uh, the other one hearing the terrifying scream from the arrow is shaken which means that it has some penalties and stuff because it is scurred well, how does it hear does it have like 
Timpana on its front legs like a Katie did? If you or want to make a like... perception check on your next turn, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Termites yeah. would be all like feeling vibrations and stuff. Would they yeah, not? do that instead of your action, Ryan. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> Very good use of your time. But it's not your turn yet because first the one on the right needs to take its turn. Um, that didn't go great for its friend, but it's, you know, it's it's a it's an individual bug. Um, so... But it is shaketh. It is it is shooketh. Um it is going to uh open its pincers, its mandibles, and spit a line of acid. It just shoots out from this thing, kinda like a bombardier beetle, but not in a spray, in a line, and it will hit Cedric, Fletcher, and Kay. I need all of you because you yeah. lined up so nicely. <laughs> I was like, where am I? Don't ever clump or line in D&D, guys. (laughs) Don't stand in cones, lines, or clumps. Um, uh, You need to do a reflex save, please. (laughs) So everyone just scatter randomly all the time. Just mass chaos. Super good at those. Too fast. 16. 16. 16, 16 and 18 from Cedric. Wowie. 13. Okay. Fletcher failed. Oh, <laughs> Fletcher. All right. So that is ah, two. Th- oh, these are good rolls. Four, seven. <laughs> that is not good for Fletcher. Just try and sound a little bit less gleeful. Okay. So uh, Kay and Cedric, you each take five points of acid damage. Uh, Fletcher, you take 10 points of acid damage. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we take five points of damage. You do. Acid damage. As it spitteth at you. Now for anybody who wasn't sure what they were before should be sure what they are now. Uh, okay. Oh, right. Thank you. Sorry, Qui-Gon. Um, so uh, Qui-Gon has redeemed points. So both Fletcher and Kay have an extra action during their turn if they would like. Yeah. <laughs> so Fletcher can do a perception check. So Fletcher check. can do a perception check. <laughs> that was specifically what Qui-Gon mentioned in the chat. <laughs> Maybe they have, like, pectins, like a scorpion. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so that was the bug. Uh, So we're back up to Cedric. It is right in your face, and you're, like, wiping acid out of your eyes. That was not fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna hit it again. Okay. (laughs) Do that. I have to click so many options to go through the... Ooh. I have way too much acid in my eyes. It yeah. is stingy and I cannot see anything. Yeah. And I just kind of like waving my warhammer back and forth while I'm kind of like trying to rub my eyes. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, hand- the handle of your warhammer might be a little slippery because of the acid too. It's just not great. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Not great. It stings, you guys. Mm hmm. Nadia, that just happened right next to you. You saw this line of acid go, you know, flying at all of your friends, and you were just out of the way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna fly on over, get right up in its face, Woo-hoo! and uh, hit it with my breath weapon, which is a 15-foot cone of caustic liquid, obviously pointing it away from my friends. Uh, acid versus <laughs> um, acid today. I like this. <laughs> So I get to do 1d8 of acid damage. And it gets to Wait, do which what? one's eight? Is it a save? Uh, it's uh, save DC is constitution based. And in, nope, nope, nope. What am I? I always read this wrong. Is it a reflex? It's constitution save? based, right? Reflex. Yes. Reflex DC 13. Yeah. It, yeah. Half. Okay. Yes. That one. Okay. It is doing a reflex save. 
uh, Big Bug is not good at reflex save. <laughs> Surprisingly. <laughs> I mean, it is shook it. <laughs> it is shook <laughs> Yes, that makes it even worse. Okay, so it gets how much acid damage on it? Uh, 1d8. Two. Okay. Oh. Better than one. Yes, that is true. Uh, it is pissed it off. Better than one. <laughs> so you sort of go <laughs> at it. Mm. You burp. <laughs> um, I I didn't quite have enough uh, after the the acidic blob from the previous round. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. You have to regen. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So Fletcher, it is your turn. Uh, I'm going to. Step, step back and be no no longer aligned with anybody, um, and raise my staff to fire out two magic missiles. You can shoot two now. Yeah, you get you get an extra one for every two levels above your above level one of like the caster you are. So I'm a level three what? wizard, so I get to send out two. Mm-hmm. Holy pew pew. <laughs> Kay makes a mental note to never make Fletcher angry. <laughs> yeah, because these are auto hits. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Six points of force damage. Six points of force damage. Yeah, the little beads of bluish light go, whew, like heat-seeking missiles, and they hit the bug for, you said six? Yep. Alrighty. Six points of force damage. Um, did you want to redeem your extra action this turn, or are you saving it? Um... Yeah, I think I'm going to try to cast a ray of frost too. Mm, nice, <laughs> nice. We are not having it today. I, yeah, hey. yeah. <laughs> they came out of nowhere. I got really hurt. I'm pissed off. Yeah, I no. asked you guys if you wanted to hit things. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The answer was something yes. like having a friend die that makes me want to murder something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that your friends a... get to die. <laughs> that was a. 16 range touch attack. Uh, yeah, that hits. Their touch sucks. <laughs> it's a 9 for their touch AC. <laughs> They're very Three large. cold damage. Three cold damage. Alrighty. You do that. Yeah, Kay, you see Fletcher steps to the side and seems very upset because he is just loosing spells at this thing. And now it is your turn. Kay <laughs> backs away from both the bug and... And Fletcher. <laughs> uh, she'll just back up, not in a line with anyone, wiping acid from her eyes, and she will pull out like a regular arrow thing. Okay. A normal arrow. Don't forget you're shooting into melee combat now. Oh, am I shooting into mm-hmm. melee combat? Yeah, two of your friends are engaged with it. Uh, right, I forgot. Oh, right. Nadia's right up there. Well, Kay changes her mind and runs up. Like a mad woman with her sickle. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Where did you start? And misses. Where did you start? Oh, I was here. Is that not enough when... Well, I was trying to decide if if you were able to flank it or not. Um, You can run up there if you want, though. I don't think she's quite in the mind for strategy. Totally fair. And she also rolled a three. Okay. So. Yeah, that does not hit. Um, <laughs> did you want to redeem your extra action this turn, or are you saving it? Yes, I will try and swing at it again. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, I got a seven. Okay, still. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Still missed. Um, but you tried. 
I tried. Uh, Maybe I distracted it. You tried. Um, okay. Ooh. Now we have to do an eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Okay. Not me. Three pick of the, you pick... here. I'm not here. Okay. That's Nadia. Uh, so it is going to turn and... Okay. So it is going to bite out at you. Whoops. With its giant mandibles. For a 19. Ow. Yeah. Okay, so that hits. So then it does... Six plus seven is 13, right? Yeah. 13 points of bite damage plus... One oh. plus one point of acid damage. And oh god. Oh no. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> these face. Okay. <laughs> She's like, like and actually what and it's a good it's a good thing it hit me and not any of the rest of y'all. <laughs> okay, so yeah. you're the only one that hadn't taken damage yet for this point. Right. Um so I thir- also have a lot more hit points than the rest of you. That's true. At least for now. Um, so 13 points of bite damage and one point of acid damage. And then um, I need you to make a grapple response because it is going to try to grapple you with this bite. Okay. Uh, 12? It got a 15. So you are grappled and then... Neat. So you are grappled and then it is going to start retreating down into its burrow. <laughs> With, with Nadia in its mouth? Yes. But both, it is not! <laughs> but both of you get to make attacks of opportunity as it is leaving your Regis face. <laughs> I'm gonna swing the shit out of this thing. Is it just like a normal... Yeah, do, do a normal <clears throat> melee attack. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I got a one. Oh no! Still got acid in your eyes. Uh, so yeah, the acid is super strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not great. Nope. 21. Uh, that hits for four damage. Okay, yeah. So you take a mighty whack at it with your uh, hammer as it is moving below the surface. I'm not going to like animate it below the surface, but you two are going back this way. Yeah. Wait, how much? Kay yells at Fletcher, do something! Um... I'm yelling at the bug. Like, Yeah, you guys are going to be back here. So it's able to move 20 feet backwards in its burrow. Um, and it's still alive. It's a hurt, very hurt, but it did move. And Cedric, now it's your turn. Okay, Go I'm chasing, get it! I'm chasing after it. I'm running, like, like how big is the burrow? Is it big enough that I can, like, run into it? or um, like? You might have to duck a little bit, but again, these things, especially compared to you and Nadia, are enormous. Like, these are right. these are large creatures, so it took up a 10-foot square on the board. So, yeah, like, you, you might have to kind of duck to get into this burrow, but, like, you can fit in and go after it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going after it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna go after it, and I'm gonna try and I'm like I'm I'm specifically like aiming for like the 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 limbs that are holding Nadia. I'm gonna try and like break them. I mean, I know they're in the the front mm-hmm. area. Well, it's, it's not legs that are holding her. It is the mandibles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Cedric yeah. does not understand basic biology. Yeah. No. Whatever. They're modified legs. I. I. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> 
I think those are centipedes. <laughs> I like how I like how that's a good response though with like anything with insects. You can just be like, whatever, it's modified legs. <laughs> yeah. It all just got pushed up and turned into weird things. Oops, like... all legs. <laughs> <laughs> These are not the leggy boys you're looking for. No. <laughs> all right, so you run down into the tunnel, Cedric. Sort of hunched 16. up. Sixteen will not hit, but. Sarah redeemed some channel points to give a PC in need another action. Would you like to claim that? Yeah, I want to try and kill this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sarah, arthropods are really just building blocks. You've got it. Shit. <laughs> what did you get? It's a 14. A 14. That also misses. Yeah, Nadia, you, you see the sunlight retreating from you as you are dragged backwards down in this hole and Cedric comes pounding down the tunnel after you, swings his hammer twice, and it just bounces off the armor of this creature both times and you are just stuck in its mandibles. It's it's really hard to swing a warhammer in a small tunnel yeah. I mean, where you're yeah. not trying to like mash your friend in the that face. Too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that actually. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nadia, it is your turn, and somebody also just, mm -hmm. uh, 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 Qui-Gon also gave you a second chance on a check or a save, um, so you can use that to escape the oh, grapple cool, cool. if you want. Well, the very first thing I'm going to do is two claw attacks. Oh, okay. Cool. One of which definitely did nothing, but the <laughs> other one, well, I mean, unless Tin does something, mm -mm. but the other one is 25. Yeah, that hits. Oh, maybe she'll uh, save herself. <laughs> she don't need no man. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. My kind of damsel. <laughs> oh, I keep rolling so low on damage, so that's three. Oh my god, you claw at its eyes, and it is it, it makes sort of like a strange noise, and you like feel the noise in your body because you're right there against its <laughs> like face. Uh -huh. um, it is very, very hurt, but it is still alive. <laughs> Damn it. Um, uh can i also try to break free or was that your action yeah okay unless yeah i can't remember what i'll be nice i'll let you use your since you don't have a move this turn because you're stuck you can use your move to try to escape from the grapple. okay i'll be nice okay and that's i'm still just rolling a grapple yes um but if you'd like you can have advantage on that roll okay which you might want because they have a plus 12 to grapple holy shit <laughs> 19? It rolled an 18 plus 12, so you are, you are stuck, sorry. 18 plus <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, did you use advantage on that? I did. I rolled okay. a 16 and 18. Oh, okay. All right. Well, those were good rolls, but not good enough they for this, this monster creature. Okay. Sorry about that. Plus one. <laughs> yep. No. Uh, That's how the game works. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Fletcher, <laughs> you watched the bug grab Nadia out of the air, in fact, and drag her down into its tunnel. So it is somewhere underground. And then you saw Cedric run into the tunnel after them. <laughs> so I want to move to the entrance to the tunnel where I saw them go in. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it was probably like just sort of like the width of the thing. So there's room for like basically just Cedric to be in front of it. So I would just see like him and then behind him the creature yeah. and i can't really i couldn't get past him to the creature not there's really. no like room in the tunnel yeah not really um 
So if I'm at the mouth of the tunnel, how far is Nadia from me? How far is it retreat? Um, it was able to retreat like 20 feet backwards. So that is how far it is away from the entrance. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's perfect. As I yell, sorry, Nadia. And <laughs> cast grease on her. <laughs> <laughs> So she becomes shiny, slippery, greasy, and it has to make a reflex check on its turn to see if it can keep a hold of her. Amazing. I I love this spell every day. (laughs) Never thought it would be so useful. So much in so many creative ways. That's one of my favorite things about wizards is like everybody picks like their one spell that they just always prepare. (laughs) All right. Well, Nadia has been greased. So that's a thing. Kay, you saw all of that happen right in front of your face. Cedric just like ran down into the tunnel and you heard some noises from down inside. So I'm like last, right? So there's like Cedric and Fletcher at the end of the hole. Yeah. I mean, can I like do anything? I can't shoot an arrow down it, can I? You can certainly try. Well, I'm going to certainly try. Okay. (laughs) You're going to be at a- Look out, You're going to be at a minus four because you're trying not to hit Nadia and Cedric and it's okay. down in a tunnel. Yeah, like Cedric can like, like his, like his whole back just tenses up. He's been shot in the back before. Yeah. By Nadia, by, by Kay. You're back and like sense it. It's like, huh. <laughs> it's like all the hair on my neck just stands up. I got a three. Oh, uh, I, that face, I was like, did she get a one? Please tell no, me I she got, got a, three. a one. Okay, you got a three. So this arrow goes like ricocheting down and off like the, the walls of the tunnel and like off of the armor of the bug and Nadia and Cedric are just like ah. <laughs> but you, I guess I didn't hit you guys. Did not hit it. Mm-hmm. It looks like there has been another extra action redeemed for anybody who wants to take it. <laughs> did you want the extra action, Kay? Or you I'll did? try again. Okay. I'll try again. All right, come on, come on, you twenty. We are such good friends. <laughs> Uh, am I still at a minus four? Yep. At a 13? Nope. It, it, this one just sort of sticks in the dirt of the wall of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so now it is the bug's turn. Uh, what did you say the save is to keep a hold of Nadia? <laughs> it's a reflex something. I think, it, yeah, I think it should be a reflex check. It's... Well, it depends on... Nadia doesn't wear anything, right? She's just... She's got does some... She, wear, she doesn't have an armor? No. Okay. Yeah. Then I guess she has either as, like, an item? She has that, Not... like, cape of trash, right? <laughs> yes, she has I haven't been trash. wearing that since we've been out... <clears throat> it was it was camouflage for the jungle. Oh, so you're just... Oh. You're just naked? naked. Just... <laughs> Oh, natural. <laughs> She's scaly. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the the last time I did this, we tr- we treated it as a it was a reflex check to see if they could hold on, keep holding on to it. Mm-hmm. If she had any kind of armor, or if we consider her like natural armor, I don't know. That's when the person gets a a plus ten escape okay. artist and and uh, with grapple checks. I don't think it's gonna matter. Right. Pinned. This is what it rolled Money. on a reflex. So, um, <laughs> I, I guess it it makes. Yeah, the she's reflex. got plus five natural armor for okay. what that's worth. Yeah. 
But yeah, if, if we're playing this as a reflex, if we're playing it as her getting bonus on uh, Escape Artist, then she can do that on her turn. But in the meantime, it held on to her mm-hmm. and it is going to keep dragging her backwards um, as far as it can. But that means that Cedric gets an opportunity attack on it. Cedric, kill it! Cedric, kill it! <laughs> I'm gonna do my Morden's damn best. Shit, that's another 14. <laughs> nope. Yeah, so it just, it drags Nadia back pretty far, because that's all it's doing this turn, is moving. So it is it is heading pretty deep down underground. <laughs> this thing, is your specialty, Cedric, go get say, it! We were just talking about underground people. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Cedric, it's your turn again. Okay. Go yeah. get it. Um. Yeah, I'm running after it. You're running after it. Okay. How far can you? And get I it? miss it again. And you miss it again. Yep. It's he's a fifteen. He's right up there on it, and he just keeps swinging and missing. But that doesn't mean it's Nadia's turn. And that was okay. So, did you... so I can. No, sorry. sorry. Go for it. What were you saying? <laughs> we we just both kept starting talking at the same time. Go for it. So can I use escape artist to try to get out of this? <clears throat> yes. And you said it was. And a I get plus an advantage 10. from. Yeah, you get an advantage, and um, yeah, because there was another advantage redeemed, <laughs> and you have a plus ten, and I guess it has to do a grapple check. Uh huh. Okay, come on, come on, come on. Okay, sorry, I have to do math. Twenty-five. If it meets, it beats. So I guess I don't know how we resolve this because it also got a twenty-five. But I guess since you're the one Can acting, make sure I did that right because it's. Because, okay, so he was plus 10, so that's plus 6. I rolled a 7. Wait, did I do that wrong? 23. 23. Uh, in that case, yeah, the so 25 just... beats you. <clears throat> Sorry, man. Oh, wow. Oh. This bug. It's hard yeah. to beat. It's bugging me. <laughs> I, hey, oh. yeah. Fletcher, you can not really see them anymore, even, because it's so dark down in the ground, and you're still standing there at the head of the tunnel. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> I don't know if there's literally anything I can do. I'd have to like crawl in the tunnel. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's, and there's, it's Cedric and then the thing. Like, and I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's anything I can do. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, all I can do right now, all I, I, I can't do anything. I'm gonna eat my granola of cure light wounds <laughs> because I'm so injured. And that's all I can do. Okay. <laughs> like, 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 like nervous watching a horror movie. Like, Okay, so that was Fletcher. Kay, you can still see them. They're getting farther away, but you can still see them. That means that that they'd be just technically at the end, edge of the range of my bow, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and sh- shoot it again. Ugh, Do come it. Come on. Come on. It's at a minus four, right? Uh-huh. I got a 13 again. Mm, nope. Okay. Oh man, it is just going to keep going, I guess. I'm I'm not going to keep dragging it off the screen because that's dumb. <laughs> but you know, it's still going. <laughs> How long is it's tunneled? Dear uh, Jesus. They live underground. Um but I mean, yeah. They live underground. Um but Cedric, that doesn't mean you get an attack of opportunity on it. Okay. 22. And you run up to it and you're just so frustrated at this point because the stupid thing is so armored and you just take a swing and you're like really trying to be careful about not hitting Nadia and you just smash one of its legs and the whole thing sort of crumples and the mandibles open just a little bit and Nadia is able to crawl out. 
It had right. one hit point right. for like a long time, guys, and you just couldn't get the oh! last hit point. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna I like. I should have done another claw attack. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I it stick out my hand to like help Nadia out of its mouth. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely take the help. Yeah, yeah, and then I'm gonna like pick up your arm, put it around my shoulder, and kind of like carry you like kind of like walk you out of the tunnel and like as i mm. as i am i'm like i'm like reaching over and like trying to like pat like your your bite mark wounds and just like kind of like cure light wounds cure moderate wounds <laughs> just like on, on both of the two what i what i imagine are two big piercing holes yeah, in your stomach absolutely um so i'll roll for this in a second yay you beat them Woo! didn't like those mm -mm. Well, the first one went down so quickly. Because <laughs> we all ganged mm -hmm. up on it. <laughs> mm -hmm. We all ganged up on the second one, too. We just were worse at it. <laughs> Blew all our dice luck on the first one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I used up my strong spell. <laughs> <laughs> strong Although, what would you have done? Like, put a, put a cone of fire down the hole of <laughs> crispy Cedric and oh. non-existent Nadia. <laughs> yeah, that would have been bad. Yay, you killed them. Um, did you guys want to do anything with the one that, you know, is still above the surface, or are you good? Is there anything to loot on it, I guess? If you want to take a look at it, you can. I guess I'd take a look at it. Sure. Was that a search check? Yeah. Fletcher, Fletcher wants to look at the uh, uh, ears. <laughs> I'm interested in how you they move for, through the ground. I healed you for 24. Nice. Well, that's very cool. Thank you. <laughs> I got a 23. All, all better. <laughs> search the thing. A 23 to search the thing. Um, yeah, so this one that you guys killed above ground, um, it had not spit a line of acid like its friend had, or presumed friend had. Um, so you do see that it, it appears that these have some sort of uh, sac or gland in like the mouth region. If you start like prying the mouth parts apart, you can see that there's some sort of acid reservoir in the mouth that they seem to be able to spit acid only once in a while. It's not extremely large. Like the one that you're looking at, it looks like the volume of acid in that sack is probably the amount that got sprayed on you and your friends. So it looks like they can awesome. only do that once in a while, but that is there. Um, you could try to extract it if you wanted. Fletcher, do you want to try and extract this? seems like, I don't know, do you have to do dissections in nerd school or something? <laughs> kind of out of space to even carry any more things we've been out here for so long i can't and i kind of don't want very much more to do with these things there there okay so you're elsa elsa was wanting the acid right she did say she would take basically anything you could collect from anything while you were out i i guess i'll try and take it i don't think i'm not carrying a lot of stuff Okay, um, so you can make, uh, I guess this would be a, hmm, hmm. I think it's a heel check to try to extract this thing without breaking it open and getting it all over yourself. A heel check? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Sure. Pick something that like I don't five, have. They call that medicine. Yeah, oh, I guess that makes more anatomy. sense. Yeah, it's basically the same idea. It, it's an anatomy check of sorts. Yeah, or if you oh, have good. knowledge nature, you could perfect. Do that. Pick pick or the knowledge nature might be slightly better. Do you have? I that? don't have anything. I don't have knowledge nature. Never okay. mind. Yeah, 
Cool. I guess I'll try and not get acid all over myself, which I don't think is going to work very well. <laughs> all right, come on. Am I able to assist her in some way since I'm there with her? Yeah, if you want to assist her, she can get a plus two. Because, yeah, you can, like, sort of help hold things and you can sort of help explain, like, what she should do. Did not help. Did not help? <laughs> not even with a plus two? I mean, I got a four. I have a minus one to wisdom, so it'd be a three. Plus oh, two would be five. Wow. <laughs> well. Kay oh, wow. is not good at science. She's not wise. Oh, we're, what is this thing? a bug with to? your scythe is just... We're working on it. <laughs> yeah, no. she's like, this is for cutting, right? Huck, huck. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you take six more points of acid damage as it just like you you sort of burst this thing as you're trying to extract it and it gets um, all over your hands and arms and burns you some more i'm gonna take one of those potions i guess <laughs> <laughs> i'm not doing well <laughs> she, she just like gets covered with acid and she just like wipes it off her face <laughs> and just like eats granola <laughs> one of those days Cedric emerges from the ground with Nadia's like arm over his shoulder and like sees like Kay and Fletcher like get sprayed in the face with acid and just like God damn it <laughs> puts Nadia did... down, like, walks over there and like is gonna heal you both for two. Perfect. I also ate granola, so how does the granola work? That was granola of cure light wounds, I believe. Yeah. Yes. So it's one d eight plus one. Windy eight plus one. I have one of those. Uh, granola might be the invention I am most proud of. <laughs> I got seven. Nice. I'm almost back up to full health again. Hey. Look at it. It's like it never even happened. Yep. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just like I, CK like stone face like. <laughs> it's like. Uh, I'm like, whoops. I just sort of wander over to the group with a hand with like five berries in my hand, and just if anyone could use a a little better, Kay Kay eats it. <laughs> Kay eats yeah. a berry. However many berries you get is one back. I think, yeah. And just like that, it's like it never even happened. And you feel surprisingly full. Like Excellent. very full. So yeah. full. All right, yeah. So that happened. <laughs> Do we think we can eat one of these things? No. <laughs> Kay's tired of trying to pull it apart. <laughs> Unless you want to get blasted with acid. Well, I'm not going to eat the acidy part. What, those I mean, legs there's no pretty... acidy part left. I got it all in the face. <laughs> but the legs and things. It's like giant snow crab legs. Yeah. <laughs> you bet it tastes like miscellaneous bird. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Cedric, do you have capacity left to carry food like that? Um, <clears throat> I think so. I don't know how to calculate my weight uh, of the stuff a, I'm carrying. There's a place for that in the player's handbook. Um, yeah, I'm not really carrying that much heavy stuff. Okay. If you would like to try to butcher aside this thing. Your... Aside from what? Aside from his armor. <laughs> yeah. I thought well, you were going to say my ego. Oh. <laughs> and it sounds like you were carrying the tent, too, which is not light. and All the hot air buoys me up, though. Right. So. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Of course. Yeah, if you would like to try to butcher this thing, I'll say you can get... Sure, you can have two pounds of unkeg meat. That's fine. Excellent. We are eating this tonight before it goes bad. (laughs) Sure, there you go. All right, because you have smoked a deer that you saved for later. Yeah, there Mm -hmm. you go. Perfect. Um, Yeah, okay. So the farther north you've been moving and you continue to move after this event, the drier the air feels. Uh, You notice your lips starting to chap slowly uh, at the same rate as the soil beneath your feet becomes softer and more like sand, making it difficult to walk. The clumps of grass become smaller and less frequent, while shrubs and small succulent plants increase in abundance. If you look carefully at the succulents, you can see that many of their leaf pads are covered in spines that seem to be very sharp. But even with this diversity of plants, most of the ground around you looks more and more bare, with the reddish sandy soil exposed to the the sun and wind. Almost like I just came back from the desert. (laughs) Almost. And so you are starting, you, you, you feel very much like you are at the ecotone, which is something we talked about a few episodes ago, um, the ecotone between the grasslands and the desert as uh, the evening is starting to fall. What was that? Oh, Me? the random city noises. <laughs> oh, sorry. okay. I was just like, <laughs> We should probably set up camp and rest before we get far into this not knowing where we might end up in the desert Adia, do you want to do one more check before we camp just to see if there's anything around we should be aware of and yeah that's a good call maybe we could think about where which direction we're heading tomorrow morning mm-hmm. uh, 24 24 yeah you Fly up above your friends. There isn't much vegetation to speak of to fly up above at this point and do another 360 look. And yeah, you can definitely see the desert is before you. Lots of rocks and sand dunes and little clumps of vegetation to the north. Um, You can see the mountains are still to the west along the desert. You can see the grasslands behind you to the south. And to the northeast, maybe you would anticipate like two-ish hours, three-ish hours away from you, you see as the the light is starting to fade, what look like maybe some fires? More fires? Two or three hours away to the northeast. Yeah, it looks like a, a few fires. You're not sure how many, because it is a rather distant, but yeah, it seems like there's something there. These look like, like campfire type things, not like the prairie fire. Um, yeah. Like little little lights, little spots of fire. Okay, so I tell the rest of the group that there's, I think there's campfires sort of that way. It looks like it would take a couple of hours to get there, so we probably shouldn't try to go tonight. Um, but they're there. I wonder, perhaps we should try to sleep early and rise eat well before the sun and to make our way in uh deserts are obviously going to be extremely hot and we won't want to be doing our walking during the middle of the day so we're gonna i think need to adjust how we are traveling and if it's only a couple hours away that could be easily done before and sort of at sunrise and we might be able to get to where that is and it might be these leggy people that uh, that he's told us about. 
Yeah, that sounds good. Cheryl, what time is it now? Oh, like what time is it in uh, in the game? Yeah, yeah. probably like six, seven ish. So like it's you know it's it's early summer, so it's still you know fairly bright, but the light is fading. Yeah. Yeah, then we should we should probably go to sleep so we can all have a long rest and I'm get tired. up. <laughs> yeah, oh. I definitely won't argue with that. But before before I go to sleep, if anyone has water skins, I can fill them now. Okay. And we can have them tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. yeah we could refill them. I know I have one that mm -hmm. if I've been drinking out of it all day, mm -hmm. could certainly use a little bit. Like I can do more tomorrow, but like I still can do some today too. Yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah, yeah. sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Wonderful. Sarah. Drink what you can now, refill, and then We'll see what we can do tomorrow. Yeah. Sarah, who does research in the desert, her pro tip is fill your water in the evening and insulate it when the sun comes up so that you can drink cool water all day. Thanks for that pro tip, Sarah. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. So you have Ankeg meat for dinner. It tastes a little weird, but you know, it's food. You drink your water and have Nadia refill your water skins. How are you? Are you? setting watches this evening if you are how are you doing it you're going to have to rethink the structure of your watches now because all of the people in this party need a long rest there isn't anyone mm -hmm. here who only needs four hours anymore mm -hmm. so we all need to take a watch and we need to space it out as far as it'll take three yeah if, right? if three of you took three hours three. that would be approximately enough yeah oh and that would be enough for everybody to get at full least rest? six, yeah. Oh, is it six? I mean, I, there isn't like an exact number, or at least like I don't, I don't play with an exact number because, like, yeah, you can function on six hours. Some people are better at it than others, <laughs> but especially if you were to rotate who is, you know, doing the watches every night, that would mean that each of you would get, you know, longer nights of rest too. So, yeah, <laughs> and even when you're on watch, you're not necessarily doing something that's super strenuous right you're just being awake but like you, your body is still resting so you know it's it's doable i will take the first watch um especially with if we're going to be adjusting our schedule uh i'll stay awake while it's still light enough out for me to see well and then <laughs> somebody else can take over in the dark i can take the last watch i can take i can take a dark watch Okay, so I will sleep like... all the way through tonight. Yeah, <laughs> so it sounds like we're doing Fletcher and then Nadia and then Kay, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Fletcher, give me a perception check for your watch. Eight. Eight. Okay, um, so you hang out as the light fades, the sun sets. The sunset over the mountains is beautiful today. And, you know, it starts to get dark-ish. Um, you're sort of straining to see... Um, now that the light has faded, um, you have a small campfire, but still, you know, around you, it becomes rather dark. And again, you can see the beautiful stars overhead, but nothing seems to happen during your watch. Nadia? 23. 23? Okay, yeah. Um, so you hang out during the dark middle of the night, and again, you can sort of see those little bits of light off in the distance, um, but you don't notice anything happening around you other than, you know, the, the normal sounds of small night creatures. It's not like anything big bothers you 
Um, and you don't hear anything that feels especially strange. Like, there definitely are different sounds and sensations happening now that you're in this area, which is so much more bare of vegetation than the rainforest, right? There's a lot more, like, sounds of wind and stuff like that. But even so, with all these new sounds and, and sights, it, it's not anything that immediately causes you to feel alarm or anything like that. Yeah. And then Kay. All right. On. Uh, a 15. A 15. Um, yeah, so you take over from Nadia when it's still pretty dark out and you sit by the dwindling campfire and it's fairly cool now in the night. Um, again, there's not a lot of vegetation or anything else around and the air is dry and so it feels fairly cool even for it being early summer, um, which is maybe a little surprising to you. Because um, you're used to the weather in New Seychester, which is down more tropically on the coast. And yeah, you just sit and sit with your thoughts in the dark with a little bit of wind. And They're then, so heavy. <laughs> yeah, a lot. And then you can see the first beginnings of pink and yellow in the sky to the east, um, just as your watch is starting to end. And you will wake your friends up because it sounds like you wanted to get an early start. But... In the middle of the night, headphones off for everybody but Cedric this time. <laughs> His face. So good. Uh, Cedric, you are sleeping like normal, and dreams are happening like normal. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> uh, Qui-Gon, it is, it is early midsummer. But yeah, you're dreaming as normal, and your dreams you know, shift and flow between one another as normally happens to you. And your dreams shift and you see yourself standing on, as you're looking down at your feet, the blackened, ashy earth of the fire in the prairie that you saw during the previous day. But as you lift your gaze from your feet on this blackened earth, you look around you and you realize that you're not in that prairie because the scenery around you is not short grassland. There are big tree trunks that just appear to be entirely charcoaled, and the ground for a very wide circle around you is burned. Before you can see, you think it's a little hazy at the edges of your vision, but maybe there's actual forest beyond this burned circle of ground. And you see that, and you feel something it's difficult to explain what it is you're feeling sort of like there's something you need to do here and you start to look around trying to figure out what it is you're supposed to do if there's anything here you're supposed to be interacting with and it just sort of seems to be this barren ground and as you're starting to look around the dream transitions into something else okay Wow. Which has never gotten a secret headphones off <laughs> everybody else. This is moment. my first. Nadia hasn't either, I don't think. No, yeah. I think so. No. I mean, you were secretly listening during the first episode that you were in, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that is where we will leave you today is you all waking up in the early morning at the edge of the grasslands and the beginning of the desert. 
And that is also where we will leave all of you until we come back in January. Ah! We are taking most of a month of break for everybody's sanity. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take some time off um, to just do life things, and we will be back in January. Um, we're gonna be switching to Sundays. My fault. In the new year. Well, it's not your fault. But you know, people need to make money and eat. You know, it's the thing. <laughs> we can't just That's play important. D &D. Yeah. So yeah, we we are going to be switching to Sundays in 2020 because you know, people 2021. Tw oh, thank you, 2021. <laughs> um. Yeah, we're switching to Sundays because people's schedules needed to be moved around. So that is happening. We are going to come back in the new year with some fantastic guests that I'm already planning stuff with. I am so excited for these guests, you guys. I look at all these notes that I took this week. Quick, screenshot it. Somebody quick <laughs> to plan with one of our upcoming guests. So I'm I'm extremely excited for these guests. You guys are going to love them. So please stay tuned for all of that. Don't forget on December 14th, we will be releasing on our YouTube and our podcast the 10 Tabletop Tales episode. I still need to come up with a title for the episode. A lot of stuff happens in that episode, though. I take five That's people. the title. Yeah, a lot of stuff. I take five people who are not professional scientists and they get to role play scientists. It's great. Um, <laughs> That's the best way to be a scientist. Everyone's just it's faking just it all the time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, they did a great job. They did some science. Also, there was some tragedy, but it was great. We had a really good time. I don't think, like, I love all of you, but I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in a single session of D&D as I did with that group. It was just a riot. So please listen to that when it comes out. Enjoy your holidays safely everyone and yeah we will see you back here in january apart from there might still be like occasional solo video game things but arda campaign we'll see you back here in january thank you so much everyone have a good bye. night and we will see you in 2021 bye bye <laughs> bye, bye.